Welcome, everybody, to the Majors Live on the Majors.net. It is webisode number 66, and it is day 2217 in the search for Tim Shevelday. We got Lickless with us here tonight. We got Gilson of Inside the Huddle fame subbing in for tip this evening. And also, of course, last but not least, your host, the only man, only person, in his late 20s, who cried harder than Serena Williams after Wimbledon this week, Adam Hernandez. I cried harder when uh, the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> fell to the Boston Bruins, Game 7. So sad. No fullback Luongo tat for you. So sad. That's, you know, that's my biggest relief, too. No, uh... It's bullshit. <laughs> that is the only reason I wanted Vancouver to win that game, is just to get a fullback Luongo tat for you. That, that's uh, it. That's it. I, I hate Vancouver. I've never like, liked Vancouver. You need to say on the looking back, it's like, ciao. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm so bummed. I think that's the first thing you texted to me, too. Like, listen, I did. Is, that, it was like, is that at least you don't have to get a tattoo now? <laughs> Oh, I think it was like I think I had it ready, like right when the game oh, ended. Man. It was obvious anyway, the beginning of the third period. But oh, it sucked. God, maybe I should get a Timmy Thomas tattoo instead. Just get an Allen from the Full Hangover back. tattoo. Man, get, yeah, I'll kill two birds with one stone. Man, he was uh, he was on fire. We're gonna be talking a lot about the uh, the Stanley Cup, and um, we're gonna do some related Stanley Cup stuff uh, prior to Crash in the Net at nine thirty with Aaron Eggemeyer. Um I don't know if you guys were able to watch it or not after the game, but uh, oh, Vancouver two straight hours of riot. Yeah, Van- awesome. Vancouver, Vancouver at their very best. And I texted Ligolas. I think it was the next day. I was like, "Wow, you know the scary thing is, is we were talking about rioting on Grouty before you know, that night. That night before the game was over. So I don't know." Granted, rioting on Grouty is a pretty normal subject. I know, but we, I mean, I don't know. We like it on Grouty. (laughs) Speaking of that rioting, did you see like that Olympic athlete who set the police car on fire? It was an Olympic athlete? It was the Olympic athlete. How did he break the record on how fast? (laughs) (laughs) Did you see how he did it, too? He did a friggin' snake plissken escape from New York. He friggin' put a towel in a gas tank, doused it with gas, and lit it on fire. Wow. I saw this picture online, and it's like... You know this guy. It just points to his shoes. It was like this bright blue and orange shoes. Yeah, he could. He might as well have just been wearing he had like a Canadian tattoo uh, Olympic team on his face or something. I mean, did he win a did he win a medal or anything? No, I think he's a hopeful for the next Olympics. Oh, I thought I thought he was in the. Oh, he's Olympics. A young. He's young. Oh, okay. Um. Anyways, though, our. Uh, our our girl of the week this week is Emma Frain. Go make sure you go to her website and check her out. New website. New website. That's right. We have a new website up. The majors.net has been redesigned. Uh, make sure you go check it out. It looks really, really cool. And kind of bear with us, too, because we're kind of uh, still working around with it, you know, um, kind of getting used to the new features and everything that are on it. So uh, make sure you check that out. Fan question. Um, I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but we did talk about it last night on Around the Diamond, which you can hear every Monday night at uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on TheMajors.net. Jack McKeon has returned to the Florida Marlins to manage them. He led them to a World Series in 2003, was their manager up until 2005 when he retired. 
Uh, but he is their new manager after Edwin Rodriguez resigned after having a horrible month of June. Um, but with Jack McKean coming back, 80 years old, what manager or coach would you like to see return to manage or to coach a team in professional sports again? That's our fan question tonight. We're going to get to that a little bit later on, somewhere around the 10 o'clock hour. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We have that fan question up on our webpage, or I'm sorry, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash themajorsx or facebook.com slash tmsnx. So make sure you go in and uh, let us know. Or you could call in, 734-259-4941, or you can text in at 248-429-7729. I'm sorry, 7729. Excuse me. Um... We do have we do have a lot of stuff to get to. Um, we're gonna be talking a little bit about um, some sports that we're maybe not accustomed to talking a whole lot about. Um, actually, besides tennis, we've been talking uh, with Nicholas here. We've been talking doing a fair share amount of tennis. That's no, this. I mean, there's two majors within a month of each other, so it's natural that it's. The- the it's the crazy part of the season and i know and i know we're going to be talking we're going to be talking more about it after our first commercial break but Nicholas, is it fair to say that wimbledon is probably the biggest out of is it the masters out of the tennis majors that we have here without it if you if you equate it to golf yeah oh no without a doubt the wimbledon's the biggest one of the year i mean it's got mainly because it's it's tradition so we we got to talk about it. Oh isn't yeah, there, absolutely. Isn't there that rematch of like the eleven gate, like eleven hour? Yeah, it's happened already. It, yeah, it didn't. It went two hours this time. Oh. <laughs> it went in, in, actually short, pretty short for a men's match actually. Oh, okay. But it was yeah, amazingly enough, they met in the first round again. Which the chances of that happening at a major are like so slim. It's it ridiculous. <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> but anyways, we're gonna start out with. Um, the Vancouver Riots. Um, again, like we started out with the show, uh, if you're watching the Stanley Cup final, like I said, we're going to be getting into a lot of the game itself once uh, you know once we crash the net with Aaron Agamire at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time right here on the majors.net. Um, you know, it's when this happened, and it happened as soon as the as soon as the final whistle blew. That night, last Wednesday, I, you know, I was watching CBC when it happened, and as soon as you know the game was over, they panned out, um, and there were fires already starting in downtown Vancouver. And when I was watching this, and I guess I really wasn't surprised. Why? Because you look in, see what happened prior to all of this in the city of Vancouver. Yes. Vancouver is a really, really nice-looking city. It's a, it's uh, you know, it's it's up in the Pacific Northwest, or I guess the Pacific Southwest if you're in Canada. Uh, but you know, it's Canada is basically part of the United States anyway. So it's the it's, lousy part. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's right now. I think they're they don't want that. No. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, they, they did the same exact thing when they won the Olympic gold medal in hockey. A couple years ago, or actually, what was it? Not even a couple years ago. Last year. Yeah, last year. Um, They did it when there was the G4 summits there. God knows how long ago. There was, they did it back in 1994 when they lost to the New York Rangers. And, I mean, this is a city that's synonymous, it seems like, with rioting. And you know what? It's not just Vancouver. 
because it's it's Canada as a whole that seems to riot every single time something happens, whether it is whether it's one of those summits like the World Trade Organization going and you know having a summit at you know the Toronto Civic Center where, wherever they have it in Toronto, or whether it's a Metallica concert like we talked about on Grouty, you know where Guns N' Roses decides they don't want to play after James Hetfield gets his his arm burnt off. And, and it's the same exact stuff that happens in Vancouver. Good or bad, this is something you could have expected to happen if Vancouver would have won that night, if, if they would have won Game 7, and we could see it, it's the same thing that happened when they lost. Now, you know, we, live, we're, we broadcast out of Detroit. Actually, we broadcast out of Plymouth, which is a suburb of Detroit. And you know what? Every single time Detroit has the opportunity to play for a championship whether it's a stanley cup which was the most recent or you know back in 2006 when uh, the tigers were in the world series or in 2004 when uh, the pistons were uh you know playing for an nba title then or even in 2005 too when they were back in the nba finals you know you always hear the jokes oh there goes detroit detroit's gonna be burning and everything detroit hasn't done anything since the bad boys last one in, did they even riot in 1990? Because I know they did. I didn't 80. remember them. In 84 is the last time. Because I remember, I remember the last time there was. It was one of the last bad boy titles when there was some trouble. When there was a little bit of rioting. When there was a little bit of, you know, of, of, of you know, people burning cars or whatever. And then there was the, and then there was the Michigan State thing when. Um, that's East Lansing. And it was and, 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 again. It's East Lansing. That's not Detroit. But it's 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 synonymous. When Detroit hasn't done anything really since 1984, yeah. when the Tigers won the won the World Series, that's the last time anything serious happened. But you know, Vancouver does this, and Vancouver did get a lot of press. But you know what? Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto—they're never going to be known as a as cities that riot or some of those bad cities that you know. Oh no! When their sports teams go to the finals, you know you better look out because Vancouver or Montreal or or you know Toronto is going to burn when the Maple Leafs. Not that that's ever going to happen anytime soon. When they win the Stanley Cup, yeah, hell will be too busy freezing over for <laughs> Toronto. To burn. Yeah, I think I think we'll all be uh, there'll, there'll be the rapture happening. So, <laughs> well, look the what Toronto I mean. rapture. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> they have just as much of a chance of winning yeah. the NBA championship as the Maple Leafs do winning the cup. They were talking today about the Raptors' new head coach, not to get off subject. And for a second, when I saw that on the news, I mean, and I, you know, I watch so much basketball, but for a second when they talked about the Raptors' new coach, I was thinking, oh, that's they're still a team. I. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of forgot that. It's like, oh, that's right, yeah. Especially now they don't have Chris Bosh anymore. It's like, who is on the Raptors? (laughs) (laughs) What what pick do they have? Uh, It It should be. Yeah, probably. It's it's that damn damn lottery. It throws you off. No, but even, I mean, not that I... Tweeting is so stupid, I can't even stand it. But Rain Wilson for The Office, while they were going on tweeting, said, oh, it looks like Vancouver's the, the Detroit of Canada. I'm like, See, fuck that, yeah, man. Vancouver you know, is just fucking shitty, okay? Vancouver is Vancouver. Yes, exactly. You know, I mean, they're the ones that riot after every single thing that happens. They just like rioting. They in do. And Happy, I, sad, that's, they just fight shit. They, and I, fight, I, they just destroy shit. And I, and I don't know what uh, what the deal is with that. What's with Canadian City? If you're listening to us in Canada right now, I want to know what, why you guys 
you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to, I, I don't, yeah, I don't want to lump the whole majority of Canadians into rioting, but I want to know why people feel they need to riot when, you know, their sports teams win or lose in a championship game. 734-259-4941, or you can text in at 248-429-7729. Leave us feedback on our Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash TheMajorsX, facebook.com slash TMSNX. And don't call us in and say, that's just how we do, okay? Because that, that will not be an acceptable answer to, no, it, to it the won't be. But you know, you know what, though? Look, listen, I was listening to a lot of uh, you know feedback and everything on this the day after. I was listening to a lot of Vancouver radio, too, the day after it happened. And, you know, Vancouver, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the people there are absolutely pissed off over what happened they're embarrassed over what happened um as they should as they should be exactly fortunately but it's true um and then you know i was listening to a lot of uh other feedback too of canadians who live here now that you know are kind of they kind of gave their two cents on why canadians in particular have to feel like they need to riot after a sporting event after a big time sporting event they say that it's in that sense, they're more European than they are American because Europeans, I mean, and I and I can see where they're coming from in this. I mean, we see what happens with soccer events over in Europe and not even they just in... Watch World Cup. Yeah, not even just in Europe, but, you know, even, you know, down south and, you know, in Mexico, Latin America, South America, wherever, Central America, whatever. You know, those people go crazy over that stuff. And, you know, it's... Maybe that's something where it comes from. Maybe they just have that European mentality on certain things. Because you know what, too? I mean, even in the United States, when a team will win the will win the Stanley Cup or win the you know the World Series or the Super Bowl or the NBA championship, I don't see anything happening. I mean, when the Denver Mavericks won the championship, no. there wasn't any rioting. We just parade. Yeah, there's just a parade. I mean. When uh, last year, when um, who won the who won the World Series last? Why is it escaping me right now? San Francisco. That, there you go. I mean, San Francisco didn't riot, and San Francisco is one of those liberal cities like Vancouver is. I mean, Boston didn't riot when they uh, when they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's just. I mean, I think maybe the bigger question, Adam, is kind of like what you're saying that not why do they riot there, but. How come they get a free pass and we here in Detroit don't? I don't know. How come there's like, you know, maybe Detroit's not the only one in the world, but how come these few select areas have this like horrible reputation as, oh, (laughs) don't win a championship there because, you know, unless you want your car blown up, but all these other places don't. Because I'd say like, you were talking internationally, Brazil, I think, has that reputation too. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the South American countries like, oh, crap, you know. We'd have the we'd have the Super Bowl in Brazil, but you know we don't want all the players being murdered afterwards. You know, I mean, <laughs> this is something they would say. But what? Why does Vancouver get a pass? Because they have nothing better to do. I guess. Or should we all just be kind of like Joan Jett and say, "I don't give a damn about our bad reputation." <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know <laughs> what? I guess. I I, I guess I, I really don't care what people think about Detroit. It just gets annoying after a while having that stigma put on you. Um, you know, even I, I know my mom has a, has some friends down in Columbus. Lucky for them, we don't care. Because we'd go up and blow their effing state that's, up. That's right. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, my mom has a, friend that live, has a friend that lives in Columbus or a suburb of Columbus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when she would come up here, her husband would be like, oh, well, you, are you sure you want to take your car going to Detroit? 
It's like, g- give me a break. We don't do that. That's what you guys do down in Columbus. Yes, it's, exactly. We don't do that here. Michigan license plate to Ohio State game, they'll flip your car. Exactly. Exactly. Really? I, I, you know what? That, that's, a, that's an excellent question, though. I mean, why? And I don't want to say they get a total free pass because Vancouver was, was pretty. They did get negative coverage. They did get negative coverage, but I see where you're coming from because Vancouver still probably is going to have that that image of being a city that riots after everything, which they should have. But, I, you know, when I was... Go ahead, Eric. Who's that one beat writer for, like, Edmonton who, like, is bashing on Detroit? Oh, I remember that. That was uh, that was from the Edmonton Sun or something like yeah. that. But, yeah, he was talking about how, you know, when Edmonton was playing in Detroit. Uh, like, bodies are lining up. Not to, quite to that extent, but, you know, he, he was one to really shouldn't talk because Edmonton has probably one of the highest crime rates in all of Canada. But... Um, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just annoying. When I was listening to the Vancouver radio, too, you know, they, it's funny because we're privy to everything that happens here in Detroit because we live in Detroit. You know, we hear everything firsthand. And when I was listening to Vancouver, I mean, they're having a lot of the same complaints that any big city, including Detroit, has. I mean, they were pissed off because the mayor wasn't doing enough. They were pissed off because, you know, they didn't have enough police presence there. They were pissed off because a lot of the money spent up to the Stanley Cup wasn't spent in the right areas. Like, one of their big things there is they they feel they spent too much money on bike lanes when they could have been spending that money on, you know, you know, towards the police force and enforcing some of these big-time events, which, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, what's more important, the safety of your citizens or bike lanes? I heard they were spending a lot of money on those uh, flags you put in your car. Oh, well, Vancouver? Yeah, the Canucks I heard that. All the cop cars had, like, 10 years, so I heard <laughs> that, you know, they're making a lot of money off those. Oh, man. You see that thing in Florida with the crosswalk straight there, hold a flag above your head. Yeah, that's... Oh, man. I don't know. It's 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 out there though. Uh, seven three four two five nine four nine four one two four eight four two nine seven seven two nine is the number to text in with. Um, that's out there though. Um, other than that though, I'm going to move on a little bit before we hit our first commercial break here in about ten minutes at the nine o'clock hour. I one of the big events that just happened um, this past week, aside from the Stanley Cup Finals, was the U.S. Open, and the that's the PGA Tour U.S. Open, not the uh, the tennis U.S. Open, but uh, Royal McIlroy won the U.S. Open in record fashion. I believe he finished uh, 16 under par, which is the most anybody has ever finished at the uh, at the U.S. Open. He set, a, he set a course record. Yes, uh, was it the old record was 272? He got beat. 268. Beat. Yeah, beat it by four strokes. Yeah, which is. He beat, I think, Arnold Palmer's record. It was, uh, from no, it was uh, Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods were tied. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I don't know why it was Arnold Palmer. But, yeah, like, by four strokes, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and he was actually two strokes away from setting the all-time record for being under par, which was 18, set by Tiger Woods back in, I believe, 2000 at the British Open. Uh, but he was Royal McElroy probably should have won his first major tournament back in the Masters before he choked. Um but this time he he was strong. I don't want to say he was strong for the entire tournament, but for the most part, if you're finishing 16 under, you're pr- you're pretty strong throughout most of that tournament. Uh, but like I said, he's 22 years old. 
winning his first major tournament, same age that Jack Nicholson was when he won his first major tournament on his way to winning a record, what was it, 16 or 18 major tournaments throughout his career. Is it 18? It's one of those two numbers. I can't know Tiger's like six off. Yeah, Tiger's close. Tiger will probably still, I think, break that record, but not anytime soon. Anyways, but Roy McIlroy, I mean, he's very, very young. Like I said, 22 years old from Ireland. Um, Very, very up-and-coming golfer. My question, though, to all of you is, is Tiger Woods wasn't playing in this last major he had. What did he have? Problems with his knee. This is MCL, right? Something like that, yeah. MCL, one of the two, yeah. Um, But, I mean, McElroy can be seen as kind of the good guy in golf. You know, somebody who's easy to cheer for, somebody who's very, very likable. He's very, very, you know, he's very, very easy with the media afterwards. I mean, they, they... they posted a picture of him, you know, chugging beer out of the U.S. Open trophy, which is cool. I mean, that's something that a lot of people can really kind of um, get behind. Whereas, he's Irish. He's Irish, too. Uh, but, I mean, Tiger Woods, though, is kind of, you could kind of see as the opposite. I mean, he's cheated on his wife with, you know, who knows how many mistresses, uh, you know, isn't all that great with the media. You know, he doesn't answer a lot of questions. I guess my question is, is this something that golf needs? Do they kind of need, like, a good guy, bad guy to, you know, for fans to kind of get behind? I mean, we saw it in the NBA Finals. I mean, Dirk Dirk Nowitzki was the good guy. He's the guy that everybody was cheering for, whereas LeBron James was the villain. And it seemed to really help things out in the NBA. I mean, and the you know, ABC set and ESPN set record, uh, record ratings for this past NBA Finals. I'm going to say... Largely in d- because of who was playing. I mean, Dirk hasn't won a championship up until then. You know, he was you know he was still searching for that. And LeBron James, you know, took a dump on his city, on his hometown. You know, left to go to Miami and play with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. And you know, everybody loved to hate LeBron after that. Now, it worked for the. It seems like it's working for the NBA. Can this work for golf? Because the ratings for the U.S. Open for NBC this this past tournament were down. Because so, Tiger wasn't playing. Golf I, needs Tiger. That's I, it. I, I agree with you. But could they benefit even more with Tiger and McElroy both playing kind of the good guy, bad guy? Uh, you know, I, I think you may have a little something here, Adam, but... I think a lot of people still like Tiger Woods, too. You know, I mean, whether they like him, like to dislike him, but I don't think he's going to really be the villain if he comes back and starts winning. I mean, LeBron James did, you know, went above and beyond the call of duty to paint himself as, like, you know, like the uber bad guy. I mean, if if the Dallas Mavericks, you know, backcourt was... I don't know, O.J. Simpson and Tim, <laughs> Timothy McVeigh, people would have been like, you know, they'd have been buying Mavericks jerseys with their names on the back. They, they don't care. I, I buy an O.J. jersey, it, man. I, nothing, nothing against Dirk. I mean, nothing against Dirk. He's a well-liked player. And, I mean, I love the guy. Have for a long time. And he's a great player. from that team? I'll definitely buy that jersey. <laughs> no. I, um, you know, I mean, really, though, Dirk is, uh, you know, I mean, he's – He's a great, great player, and people do love him, but I don't think it was so much the love of Dirk as it was just the, 
and I don't even know if people hate LeBron James. They're just so sick of him. They're just so annoyed by him. I think people hate LeBron James. Yeah, no, you're probably I, I really right. Do. You're I, probably think, right. I think people hate LeBron James, and I know Tiger doesn't have the hatred I think that LeBron James has. Even though, I mean, what Tiger Woods? I think in the big picture is probably a lot. Is well, I think it is a lot worse than what uh, than what LeBron James really did. I mean, really, what LeBron James did was. You know, I would anyone would do. Like, yeah, and it, it was and it was a it was a punk move to do on his city and everything with the decision. It was more of how he did it. Yes, exactly. I mean, I didn't have any problems with him leaving Cleveland. It's just exactly, Eric. It's the way he did it. He wrote the new. If you he he couldn't have. It's like he planned on becoming the the worst villain in the NBA. He like you could just follow. He could like write a book how to become the bad guy because up until. In May of 2010, he was not a bad the bad guy at all. No, and, and I said it last week, and you said it too, I believe, Liglis. I I didn't mind LeBron. I Even liked when, LeBron James. I yeah, used I, to defend LeBron James not yeah, that long ago. I thought he was a good player. Same here. He was a actually. I thought he's a great yeah. player, and he was you know a guy. Even though he played for the Cavaliers, I you know he was like I'm you know I was thinking to myself one day, and I was like. You know what? I probably should hate LeBron James, but I don't. I, I know. I remember I thinking it, but I, I'm like, I just can't not like this guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a he's a good player. He goes out. It seems like he works hard, and you know, he's good for the city of Cleveland up until what happened with the decision. Except he has no post game. Yeah, but I mean, well, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, even. That's that's real. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, that's even. That's even. You know, now even more blown up now that he lost because everybody's looking to see what, you know, what's wrong with LeBron James, what's wrong with his game, and that is one of them. But, um, but yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's and as far as like I said, as far as Tiger Woods goes, yes. I mean, he doesn't have the hatred that LeBron James has, but I think what he did was worse. I mean, you cheat on your wife with a bunch of different women, you basically break up your family. Um, you ruin your household, and I mean, winning changes everything. I mean, you saw when Tiger took the lead at the Masters. Like, oh, every, yeah. Everyone just started, like, basically forgot about what he did. He just wanted him to win, and then he did. Well, and the thing with Tiger Woods, and this is whatever, because I'm not putting emotion or feeling into this whatsoever, I still like Tiger Woods. I, uh, as a player, I still love Tiger Woods. Him not playing in the U.S. Open instantly made me not pay attention to it until McElroy started doing what he was doing. But for me, when it's comparable to Tiger Woods and LeBron James, to, to quote Tip, Tiger Woods never did anything to me. In LeBron James, I look at it, LeBron James did something to everyone because he was such an arrogant ass. So to me, when it comes to worse things, if I'm going to put my own personal opinion on, I think LeBron, what LeBron James was worse in, in the turning into a villain role. Because Tiger didn't do anything other than f- completely F over his family. Yeah. Which is, don't get me wrong, that's a shit thing to do. But as a golf fan... Honestly, I'm mad at him because he's not winning anymore, I, I guess <laughs> and he, that sucks. I guess he really didn't have the opportunity to do what LeBron James did, too, just because golf is an individual yeah. sport, and obviously basketball is a, it's a team sport where you're based out of a certain city. Yeah. So. Well, and golf is like tennis. You're, self, self, you're selfish by the nature of the sport. So 
there is no complaints about that. Yeah. You you are you just are selfish. That's the way the sport goes. And basketball is a team sport, so it is different. But LeBron's a very individual type of player. Oh, without so, a doubt. I without mean, a he, doubt. You know, he might as well be a tennis player. Oh, no, or definitely. <laughs> it's, it's just the difference in sports, really, yeah. why he gets he that kind of thing. Golf. May, yeah. well, maybe he will. Um, but anyways, that question's out there. We're going to go ahead and take a quick, quick commercial break. This is The Majors Live on TheMajors.net. We'll be right back. Everybody, you can finally stop holding your breath because we are kicking off the new year with the triumphant return of one of iTunes' first 100 podcasts, Detroit Grouty Radio. So join us right here at themajors.net or at grouty.com for all things gross, rowdy, dirty, and nerdy. You can catch us out at our new time Thursday nights at 8 o'clock starting on January 6th. Be there. In 1966 in Anchorage, Alaska, a talented child was born. He would go on to be one out of only 11 Alaskans to make it to the major leagues. The odds of him striking out more than 3,000 hitters? One in 33 million. The odds of this pitcher being selected to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game six times? One in 48 million. The odds of this fastballing philanthropist winning the World Series three times? One in three million. The odds of this man having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 110. Hi, I'm Kurt Schilling. Learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Autism is getting closer to home. From one in 5,000 only 20 years ago, today one in 110 children are diagnosed. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back, everybody, to The Majors Live on TheMajors.net, 734-259-4941 is the call-in number. You can text in at 248-429-7729. Leave us feedback on our Facebook pages, facebook.com slash TheMajorsX or facebook.com slash TMSNX. Um, we've been doing a, talking a little bit about the, well, actually, we talked a lot about the Vancouver riots, um, you know, and Ask the question is, why does it seem so common in Canadian cities um, and not really American cities? I mean, we don't see this happen. We didn't see it happening when the Mavericks won. We didn't see it happen when Boston won. We didn't see it happen when San Francisco won the World Series last year. And, you know, it seems like it happens in Canada all the time. Um, 
talked a little bit about the U.S. Open. Roy McIlroy uh, winning his first major at the age of 22, 16 under par at the U.S. Open. Um, and whether or not golf needs a villain and a hero, Roy McIlroy being that good guy that everybody kind of get behind and, and Tiger Woods kind of being that villain. Um, we're going to move on, though. Um, this past week we had one of the big, big major tennis tournaments. And like I said at the top of the show, when we asked Liglas, you know, is, is Wimbledon the biggest major tournament out of all of the major tournaments in tennis? Liglas agreed. I definitely agree with him. Uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit about about Wimbledon right now. Liglas, uh, we're what, in the second round right now of Wimbledon? No, we're. St- I mean, it's still the it's still the first round. First round, it just it just started, but uh, so there's yeah, it's, yeah, it's like oh, I would say about seventy percent of the first round matches are done. And again, I'm going to go on the record and saying I said it before. I I don't know a lot about tennis, so uh, you know, but Nicholas does, luckily. So um, I'll, I'll keep it kind of brief, just because mainly because the French Open just ended and they're. Going into Wimbledon, it's uh, there isn't honestly that much to talk about. But luckily this year, there is with Serena Williams because Serena Williams is actually back and playing. Thank God, I was I know I, I've been saying it for six or eight months now that she was never coming back, but um, she is coming back. And despite the fact that she went to three uh, three sets in her first round match, she is she she completely dominated in third set. So. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping. I, I don't think she'll win just because if she does, that's incredible. I mean, when Kim Kleisters came back and won U.S. Open you know, a month after she hadn't played in three years, that was unbelievable. So if if Serena could do it, but she, you know, Kleisters wasn't coming up an injury. So. But this is a good sign, though, it's for, for Serena sign. Williams. I mean, that she is, that she can come back from this. And, you know, she's probably going to be. You know, obviously somebody that you're really going to have to watch out for, you know, in tournaments down the road. Well, and the upside to it may obviously that she's back, but I think, um, and I read it, uh, Steve, uh, I think it's Tignor or I, I, it's T-I-G-N-O-R. I never, I, I've been reading him for years now, but I never know how to say these guys' names <laughs> actually. But uh, Steve Tignor of uh, Tennis.com, he uh, also writes uh, Tennis Magazine. Um, but he did a great Wimbledon preview this year. So if you go on tennis.com, you can check it out. It's really Sweet. good. Um, but he wrote in there, the, the major upside of this is that it, because at times, obviously Serena loves tennis, but at times it was almost like, is she as focused in tennis as she is with her clothing line, you know, and stuff like that. It was always tough because she always, she's got her feet in so many different Jim, pools. What was that? A couple years ago, I mean, Serena, I think it was Serena and Venus were both kind of getting crap for going out and doing more shopping than Oh you yeah, know, definitely. They always they've always been Yeah, they that. you know, concentrating on, you know, hey, they make on more their than anyone else yeah. in the tournaments. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one thing that this past year has shown is that she still really cares about tennis, mm-hmm. which is great. The fact that she announced her comeback, you know, in April and wasn't able to. And I think that she showed a determination that is great, especially for the sport, because the women's game has been seriously Mister. lacking a champion since she's been gone. for, And it's been a year, so well, like having you, her back is so huge. Well, yeah, like you said, though, it could have been easy for her to walk away. I mean, she had mul- oh, she had yeah. multiple injuries. She, you, you know, she's... 
She's rich as hell. She has her clothing line. She has tons of other stuff going on outside of tennis. And she could have totally done it, you know, pulled an Anna Kornikova and, you know, just leave the game and, you know, just do something else with her time. The only difference is Anna Kornikova left because she wasn't Sucked. any good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, did she never win? She not, not single. She won a couple doubles uh, championships with Martina Hingis. But <laughs> I... I any one of us could have won double titles with Hingis at the time. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but no, and she's 29 years old, which in tennis is old. It is yep. old, sometimes past your prime old. Mm-hmm. So f- she could have easily retired. Kleister's retired when she was 23. I mean, most players in tennis when they retire is before the age of 29. So she could have easily, and it would have been justified. This is kind of, this really doesn't relate to Wimbledon, but... How do you think Serena would do, I mean, when she was at the top of her game, how do you think she would fare if she played against the men? Um, it depends on who she played. What if she played me? She would win. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, I mean, it's the same thing. It's the, it's the, it just depends on who she was playing. I mean, could she beat, uh, you know, at Marty Fish? Probably. Um <laughs> She, well, I don't think she'd be able to beat Federer or Nadal or maybe even Djokovic. But, you know, who knows? The main thing with it is is the conditioning, the men and women. I mean, the women only play three sets, the men play five. That is the major difference between two of them. And so I'm not saying that women couldn't get in that type of shape, but they don't need to be in that type of shape. So it is totally different. Who do you think is the favorite to win on the women's side right now? They're... There honestly really isn't a favorite to win. It's basically just toss up, a, a complete toss up. Caroline Wozniacki is, you know, once again the number one. She's been number one pretty much since Serena left, um, and she's, uh, you know, she's not a. She hasn't shown much Grand Slam wise. You know, she made it to the finals in '09 and uh, U.S. Open, but other than that, she she's never made it past the fourth round in Wimbledon. I hope she does. I love her i love her game she's she's still young she's only 20 years old mm-hmm. so um but she, i love her game but it isn't uh it's a defensive style game she's not she doesn't have a tough she has a you know her serve is always a, a problem just because it's not strong that strong she's just she's she's more of a you know uh martina hingis type player which is why i like her i love that game it's more defensive minded it's more uh it's it's a more thinking man's tennis than it is just power which is you know obviously the williams sisters Trademark, same with you know Maria Sharapova and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think she. I, I'll be surprised if she gets past the fourth round. But I, you have to throw Serena in there. Um, you could throw in. Uh, who did I? I marked it down. Was Serena the one who had the blood clot? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She had the pulmonary embolism. She's back. Uh, did she come back? She's back playing in Wimbledon. Yeah. She's yeah. She just won her first round there. Oh, is this like her first tournament back or something? I'm glad you're paying attention. I was going to say, you obviously <laughs> haven't been listening the last five minutes. Wow. <laughs> hey. Oops. Anyways. <laughs> that was awesome. Can we replay that? Uh, hey, uh, Adam, next time, uh, if, if, ti- if tips out, <laughs> if tips out, we could maybe uh, get my sister to sub in. I, I think <laughs> I think she knows about sports. <laughs> Yeah, I I, I <laughs> fucked up on that. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry, Nicholas. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, Lee Knox, she just won the French Open. 
there's no reason why she couldn't. She has never had too much luck on, you know, grass court, but mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. <laughs> how does how does Serena fare in the grass? I mean, is she is she better is she better clay player? Is she grass? Doesn't matter. She's her worst surface is clay, mm-hmm. but I mean, hard court's her best. But saying she's not, I mean, she's it's a faster court. I mean, the hard the hard surface is. It's a, it's a, it, yeah. Could you assume it's a faster? Oh yeah. Well, the grass and it depends on how you know the ground is, but mm-hmm. grass is clay slower. The ball you know, kind of jumps a little higher too, mm-hmm. so it is a different type of game. Which is why most players in clay, you can win three French Opens and nothing else. Yeah. And that was always the complaint with him. Nadal was like, well, he's great on clay, but is he ever going to win the other ones? And obviously, he, he did. But uh, honestly, I still have to throw Serena's name in there. Uh, Lena, definitely. Um, Sharapova, the way she turned her game up the last, uh, especially the last uh, two, three tournaments, especially the way she played in the French Open on the clay circuit, she's never done much in clay. And the way she played, I have no problem saying that she might actually win Wimbledon again. You know, it's her, it was her first major. She won when she was 17. She hasn't been back to the finals since then. And I'm, I always pull for her, I think. Damn. When she plays great, it's always good for the sport. But I, it's it honestly, it is such a toss up. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. If he's Vonareva, I don't know. She, I, I honestly, I wish I had a guess. If I had to go out on a limb, if you had to put money down on it, if if I had to put ten dollars down on it, I would probably go with Sharapova. Okay. Well, what about the men's side? Is the men's side a little bit? I mean. The men's side is where it's been for you know, a while now. It's a top four. It's Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, and Murray. Um, I would be surprised if that's, you know, if it was any different come two weeks from, uh, you know, come two weeks from next uh, Friday. But uh, I'm hoping that's I'm hoping that's what it is. And it would be, I, I'm still going to go with Nadal. You're, I think you're crazy to go against Nadal mm-hmm. still. Um, but... Is he the, who's the defending champion on the men's side? Is it Nadal? Is it Nan? Yeah, <laughs> Nadal won you know three out of four last year. He's well, he's won one out of two this year. But I mean, but my guess is that it'll probably be uh, uh, probably Nadal Djokovic. I mean, it, it, Nadal. It seems like he's been dominating it, you know, a ton for the past you know, was it a couple of years. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, last year, without a doubt. Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, nine is when he got hurt, so he missed the majority of the season. And we, so. we kind of see some of the, you know, the window of, of opportunity in tennis is really, really small. And, I mean, where does Nadal rank among some of the sport's best men's single competitors? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, he's 25, which is, you know, usually at the prime, mm-hmm. and he's playing like he is. Um, it's the thing with Nadal is he has had nagging injuries. He's had knee problems, back problems over the past couple of years. Something that Federer never has had a problem with. Federer's never had injury problems, which is one of the reasons why he's so great because mm-hmm. he's he just doesn't get hurt. That guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett Favre. That's right. He's not <laughs> like Brett Favre. He doesn't. He doesn't have. A, he doesn't have a problem texting. Yeah, or he, he, like that. he keeps his wiener in his pants. Yeah, I've, I've never seen his. Schlong. I've never <laughs> seen Roger Federer's penis. I have not. <laughs> But uh, with Nadal, it's hard to say. I mean, is he uh, arguably, and sometimes not arguably, the greatest clay court player ever? Yeah. Probably will go down as the greatest mm-hmm. clay court player ever. Uh, he might, He if he, it depends on how long he stays in the game. 
He doesn't seem to have the determination that Fetter had. Mm-hmm. He seems to... I mean, people are right now, which is silly. They're comparing him to... Uh, not silly game-wise, but silly, you know, leaving-wise. They're comparing him to Bjorn Borg, who, you know, quit at age 25 and never played again. And Nadal's 25, so everyone this year is like, oh, is, is this going to be it for him? Is this going to be it for him? Because he has, you know, is, he, he's always been... He's never had that same determined determined spirit that, you know, Federer had, or even, you know, like a Pete Sampras or someone like that. So it's hard to... It's hard to say. I mean, if he stays in another five years, I mean, he's four years younger than Federer, and he already has ten majors. That's unbelievable. So, who knows? He easily could he could go down as the greatest tennis player of all time, which is unbelievable that someone would come back closely after, you know, the same peer, time period as someone that everyone already considers the greatest tennis player of all time in Roger Federer. So, mm-hmm. it depends on what he does, really. I mean, as of right now... He's on his way. He's well on his way, but especially if he's, you know, if he's the favorite to win the win, win yeah. Wimbledon too. So, and the the thing, it's actually funny. On uh, for I get my most of my tennis news from. I get Tennis Magazine. I go to Tennis dot com, and uh, ESPN is actually a fantastic source mm-hmm. for tennis news. But uh, on ESPN, they talk about uh, it as well. Uh, that Novik Djokovic has all of a sudden like become the mystery man and like everyone nobody he loses his first match in eight months and all of a sudden he's like not on the radar and it's like how is that possible he's won his last 43 out of 44 matches but he kind of is going into Wimbledon kind of the you know guy no one's talking about and there's no reason why he couldn't win Wimbledon I mean so it's kind of funny that he is the way it's kind of nice. He has almost no pressure on him whatsoever, and he's never had much success on grass. So mm-hmm. that part's not that surprising. But could he still beat Squirrel on grass? Do you think that's it? Uh, it would be a better match <laughs> than the than the than the Serena. Squirrels are better on grass. It reminds <laughs> us of our, of our tree homes. <laughs> but yeah, it would uh, obviously. Yeah. What? Uh, how many more weeks of Wimbledon do we have left? Uh, the finals uh, and uh, the men's women's final is July second, Saturday, July second. Men's finals uh, Sunday, July third. So I mean, it's it's just starting. Yesterday was first day. So all right, well there you go, and I'm sure we're gonna have more updates on uh, on Wimbledon as we uh, move along here and move towards the finals. But it's oh yeah, like... without a doubt. Oh, and to answer uh, Eric's question about uh, the Isner, uh, what's his name? I, I always forget. It's a goofy name. Oh, wait, you didn't already answer this one? Nicholas Mahout's uh, uh-huh. match that went 11 hours and 5 minutes last year. Easily, you know, bright, being the longest tennis match mm-hmm. by, you know, double mm-hmm. uh, last year. It was a quick two-hour match, uh, so <laughs> which was good. Well, I'm sure he's relieved, too. Oh, that's well, that's what they said. Uh, they, of course, they interviewed both of them. It was the biggest story of the first round, obviously, because they met again in the first round of Wimbledon. But uh, that's all they were saying. They're like, they're like, how do you feel much better? He's like, yeah. He's like, I couldn't move. No, he's I like, want to go, winning I go play another ten hours. Well, yeah, and that's what he said for last year. He goes, he goes, I was. After winning that match, he said, I was going into the second round knowing full well I couldn't win the match because I could barely <laughs> walk. So he's like, yeah, obviously I feel better this time. I mean, the guy's 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, he's on court for three days straight in an 11-hour match. He can't walk. So um. actually, actually, before we wrap up the tennis question, Gilson just asked me off air, is 
He was wondering, is tennis the one with the fuzzy ball or with the big, <laughs> heavy round one that you drill the holes into? That's a good question. Nicholas? The fuzzy ball. It's oh, fuzzy. The fuzzy ball. Okay. Okay. Thank you for clearing that. It's <laughs> the sport, not the game. Okay. Okay. That's not the one. So wait, it's not poker or NASCAR? Games? Sports? No. It's not, it's not the one where you hit with a club, is it? The color, the color ball, like the orange ball, and the... I, I tried to explain to Gilson during the commercial break. I, <laughs> I said it's the one with the racket. He's like, "You're right, it is a racket." <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "No, I just I let it go though." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Anyways, though, um, let's go ahead and get. To, we have a few minutes here before we uh, get to uh, crash the now with Aaron Eggemeyer at nine thirty p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but um, the NBA draft is, is this week. Uh, Cleveland. Cavaliers have the first pick in this year's draft after uh, scoring the big victory during the draft letter. They do. They have the number one pick and the number four pick. Um, And to answer your question earlier about Toronto, they actually have the five pick. Um, Rounding out the top ten is Cleveland as the number one pick, followed by Minnesota, Utah, Cleveland, Toronto, Washington, Sacramento, Detroit, Charlotte, and at number 10 is the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Did Utah kind of just fall off the map after the trade uh, trade deadline? Or? Yeah, Utah, I mean, yes, they did. Yes. I know that they, weren't they doing pretty good before that? A decent? Well, they, they got themselves in the position to get themselves into the lottery or high, get enough ping pong balls in there to get them within a, you know, into the top five picks here. So, yeah, I mean, afterwards... After the trade deadline, yes, they kind of fell flat on their face. But Cleveland, obviously, they came out the other day and pretty much guaranteed that they're going to go ahead and take uh, Kyrie Irving, guard from uh, from Duke, which is pretty much the the right pick to take, especially if you're Cleveland, since like uh, like the Detroit Pistons, who we're privy to here, you know, they have tons of holes to fill. Um, you know, aside from LeBron James last season, they really didn't have a whole lot to, you know, to go with their roster there. Um, so Kyrie Irving's probably going to be going number one to Cleveland. Um, after that, though, I mean, there's a whole bunch of uh, of big question marks surrounding this whole draft. A lot of people are saying that this isn't a very deep draft, and I think that's probably. In due part because of all the uh, the European players that we have coming out this year. I mean, a lot of NBA fans have no idea what some of these players coming from Europe are like. Uh, I know like Darko. Exactly. Well, I mean that's and that's the big thing too. I mean, here in Detroit, hopefully they're not like Darko. Yeah, hopefully they're not like Darko. And you know what though? I think Darko kind of got a bad rap. Really. Well, really? I mean, he, I think he well, still no, sucks. He, well, hold, he, he hold. totally got a bad rep because not his fault. Where he because of where he's drafted. That's where, true. where he was. He would have been drafted when he should have been drafted in the late first round, maybe second round. I think it's because Dwayne Wade was like taken right after. No, oh, yeah. well, no, and Carmelo Anthony. Well, no, part of part of Darko's problem when he came to Detroit was Darko won a championship. Exactly, he did. <laughs> so it's, did Dwayne Wade. But part not part Mello. of part of Darko's problem was. The coach that he had to deal with when he was here. Larry Brown doesn't, I mean, Larry Brown doesn't like younger players. 
No. I mean, he he wasn't a fan of playing well, younger players. You know, I I'll I'll agree completely with, completely with what Nicholas said. It's not Darko's fault that he was taken as the number two overall pick. That was Joe Dumars' fault. But <clears throat> Larry Brown didn't not play Darko because he was young. He didn't play Darko because he sucked. But you know what? And, though? and Darko proved to this day he. He's I mean, does, does he does he have though. a does he have a does he deserve a spot in the NBA? Sure, but he could have went undrafted. I mean, he could have like, went. I mean, no, I I root for Darko actually because of what Liklas said. It's not his fault he was taken where he was, and I hope he does well. And so far, I mean, he's putting together a a career for himself. I mean, despite being you know overpaid and having this stigma about himself NBA highlights is when on the like one that you know there's a jump ball and Darko hit it into his own fucking basket yeah or um maybe when they tried to put Darko in in the NBA finals broke they they tried to pass him the ball so he'd get an easy basket and he broke his hand catching it but I mean aside aside from Darko I mean the the thing that I wanted to relate to Darko in all of this is is the European he's a European big man he's a European big man and not only that that he's 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 a European player and Mm -hmm. I mean Darko is not only synonymous with Detroit, but he's synonymous with the NBA as a whole just because of what a bust he was at the number two pick. Now, NBA fans out there, because I know a lot of Pistons fans are nervous about taking a, a European player, but I and, mean... And when's the last time, you know, a big European player, like some big white guy, you know, really just won something for his team in the NBA? And when, when's the last time that, you know, like panned out? Um, it's never worked since when they. Uh, I was gonna say wearing short shorts. <laughs> I was gonna say Bob Sura, but he didn't win. He was traded from the Pistons that <laughs> season for. Uh, no, that I for just Sheed and Mike James, but you are right, Dad. I mean, there's a ton of uh, you know, with with the college draft class not being that strong, and all these kind of mysterious European big men kind of floating around. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that you're gonna see some of these guys. You know, going maybe even top going, five in the draft. You know, some, these draft some of these class guys. is so weak because college players aren't staying in college. Well, I think I think, I think a, it's just coincidence. A bit, no, I, well, a big part of it is the uncertainty of the NBA season next year. Um, that's a huge. I think that plays a huge factor. Yeah, a lot of people um, stayed in college. A lot of people, exactly. Of a lot of people stayed in college because of that, and um, you know, they didn't want to come out. They didn't want to come out because of that. Um, and the same you. And it's not only the talent level or how things transcend from Europe to the NBA, um, because it is a different game. The NBA is a, is, a, is a much more physical game than European basketball. But, I mean, another big thing about European basketball, too, is a lot of these players, they sometimes don't come to the United States to play for the team that they were drafted by. I mean, we saw this past season, or, or you know, most recently when Ricky Rubio was drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he has yet to play a single game for the Timberwolves he since will, being drafted though. by them. Yeah, he, he has since come out and said he's going to play for the Timberwolves next season. But I believe that was, was that like two years after he was drafted by them? Which Yeah, which isn't unusual. I mean, uh, who was it? I'm sorry. I, his name escapes me. Uh, Pistons did the same thing. Uh, brought somebody in from... Uh, 
played with Ginobili on the uh, Olympic team and played here um, for several years. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I what? do, yeah. I can't remember his name. Though. I mean, Carlos Delfino? Yes, Carlos Delfino. Um, I mean, he, we had drafted him, I believe, a, a solid two years before uh, before that. But that, that's not that unusual. But it, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not unusual, but, I mean, if you're a team like... Even again, like Cleveland or Minnesota or Toronto that needs help now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might be a little leery about drafting some of those European players because of that. Well, in basketball, basketball and football are similar, you know, where players coming right out of college are expected to instantly start. Unlike baseball and hockey. Criminals. Oh, well, whatever. That's a different story. But <laughs> unlike hockey and baseball, where. You get drafted and you you're, sit in the minors. You sit in the minors for years. Yep. If you come, it's one one every couple of years sure. where a 19 year old comes into one of these. Oh leagues. yeah, so I mean it's the, rare. The, I still, think, you know, we saw it with uh, Sidney Crosby, yeah. and you know, I think Stamkos came right out and basically played right off the bat. Yeah, well, uh, the pitcher for Washington. Uh, Strasburg. Yeah, Steven Strasburg. And he, he pitched great, but then he had to have Tommy John surgery. Yep. So you yep. know, maybe. It, I think maybe it wasn't time for him to come up yet. You exactly. Know, so. Was he in the minors for a while, or did he come straight? No, he. I don't think he was there for that long. He um, was for a couple months. Yeah, but Washington was one of those special cases, though, where they needed. Oh, they did. Somebody and he helped come. instantly. And he did. He helped instantly. I mean, he was a sensation when he was up. Um, he was awesome. I yeah. Mean, they only let him pitch basketball. like. Yeah, he was. He was. He had. He had a, an amazing. Arsenal of pitches, and I'm not, and I don't want to make it sound like we're never going to see him again. But Tommy John surgery is—it takes a year, and it, it was mid-July when yep. he got hurt, and it's not. I think it takes longer mid-July. than that, isn't it? Like a well, year it's and a minim, half? minimum of minimum a year, year rehab. I'm guessing that he won't make another appearance till the 2012 season. But we're getting off track. Sorry, but <laughs> no, but I do think, and the problem too with fan-wise is saying that it seems like a weak draft is. I don't think the NBA teams don't know what these European players can do. But as a fan, I do think it's it's weak in their mind because, I mean, unless you really pay attention, it's not like European basketball gets any uh, press over here. You so only, You only pay attention to the stars. Yeah, no, you, exactly. you do. And, I mean, a lot, of these, a lot of these players are still, you know, relatively unknown. I mean, yes, the NBA does have their collection of European scouts. They have their, you know, their collection of, of, of guys whispering in the GM's ears saying, okay, take this guy. Don't take that guy. Um, whereas, you know, Joe Dumars, I know, you oh, know. Matt Miller, you pull a name from a hat. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what he did. But, you know, we're going to go ahead and crash the net right now with Aaron Agamire. Aaron, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not too much, guys. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And if you ask why, it's because I don't have a big Roberto Luongo uh, Sharpie tattoo on my back, staining up on my clothes. Uh, <laughs> there would have been no staining going on, just your skin. <laughs> but uh, anyways, though, Aaron, I know you're not a big fan of uh, of Roberto Luongo. I'm not a big fan of Roberto Luongo. Tip's not here. I, he says that he was busy. He said he had stuff to do tonight. I, 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 I don't think he wanted to come because I don't think he could have faced the music. Uh, but you know what? As far as what happened in the Stanley Cup Finals, everything that happened with Roberto Luongo is exactly the reason why I don't think he is that good of a goalie. He can't get it done when it matters. 
And once again, in Game 7, when the pressure was on, he choked. Because from what I can remember, every you know those three goals that he let in were all relatively weak goals. Um, you can't blame. When your team doesn't score a goal, you are not allowed to blame the goalie. <laughs> Even if Luongo got a shutout. Oh, Vancouver won 0-0. Awesome. So I don't... That's a stupid thing to say. He did not choke in Game 7. He had nothing to choke about. Vancouver was up 3 nothing, and he let four goals in. That's choking. Losing a game 3 nothing when your team doesn't do jack shit? That's not a choke. He just lost. Aaron, I'll go ahead and throw it to you. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think Luongo necessarily choked, you know. Um, oh, he choked! <laughs> choke on a dick. I mean, he definitely could have played a lot better, that's for sure. Um, I mean, from the games he was playing at home in Vancouver to go to that and, you know, letting up more goals than he did at all in Vancouver, that was um, really pretty impressive, Um, you know, but Boston was hungry for it. And, uh, you know, you could really kind of see it in Vancouver's eyes after that first goal that they realized we might not be able to win this now. So, um, you know, I definitely wouldn't place all the blame on Luongo, but he really didn't help the cause at all. Aaron, do you think this is more of Vancouver losing it or Boston winning it? Because, I mean, as far as Vancouver goes, obviously Luongo wasn't playing that great. during. I mean, he did have two shutouts, but he did. I mean, what did he do? He led in a total of uh, how many goals in the finals? Like 18? 18 uh, yeah, Boston alone, it, might, it was well over 10. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you didn't have the Sedin Twins scoring. Um like you said, Lickless, I mean, and I you know I don't want to say that Vancouver had no offense whatsoever because I think they had 37 total shots in Game 7 alone, whereas Boston only had 20 total shots. Uh, but, I mean, the Sedins couldn't score. I mean, Boston, or I'm sorry, Vancouver's top players, their top fours just couldn't score goals. So what do you think? Is it is it more of Boston not, you know, winning it or is it more of Vancouver losing it? I think it was, you know, pretty much Tim Thomas just having the will to do it. I mean, he played phenomenally. You can't say enough about the guy, but, you know, Vancouver really seems kind of to shut down after games, you know, after game five. Um, going back into Boston, it, they really kind of just let go, it seemed like. And um, so I think Boston really played their game into their strengths, which was, you know, really over a seven-game series to wear them down to where in those last couple games that Vancouver would not look like the same team they should have been. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I guess I guess my, next, my next question for you, Aaron, is, is where does Vancouver go from here? I mean, I was looking at Vancouver, I was looking at Luongo's contract today, and he's making... He just made $10 million this past season, and he's going to be making about $6.7 million up until the, uh, I believe, the 2015 season. I mean, it doesn't seem plausible, or, and I don't, and I don't even think Vancouver should do it. Um, and I'm talking trading Luongo. But where does Vancouver and Roberto Luongo go from here after a, uh, a pretty devastating loss to, uh, to Boston when they were up? Two games to nothing early in this series, and they were up three to two late in this series. I mean, where do they go from here? 
Um, you know, the whole organization organization can obviously be pretty proud. Um, from top to bottom, you know, they came in the season as heavy favorites. They went through the President's Trophy race. They had some long stretches in the playoffs where they were doubted. Uh, you know, in the Chicago series, they almost lost it, and they kind of slayed that whole demon. But it definitely, you know, next year they're going to be very, very hungry because they were that close. So it's going to be a very intense year next year for the whole Canucks organization in Vancouver. Um, you know, but, yeah, losing to Boston hurt. Um, they're just going to have to really step up, I think, as a team and decide exactly what piece they were missing. And, you know, it might be playing Corey Schneider more because Luongo, you know, despite being the world caliber goalie, he looked really shaky at times in that. Um, trading him is never going to happen. No team is going to pick up that kind of contract willingly. Uh, and it's really just going to be, if, if anything, if they need to get rid of him, he'll be buried in the minors, a la Cristobal Hue. Oh, no. Uh, uh, I mean, at this point, too, it, it, the, Roberto Luongo doesn't seem nearly worth the $6.7 million he's going to be making for the next uh, few years here, too, so... I mean, it's. I mean, it's. It sucks for Vancouver that you know that their investment in Luongo hasn't paid off yet. And he's still. I mean, like you said. I mean, Vancouver is still going to be a very, very hungry team uh, going into next season. And you know, I think that they're. I think that Vancouver is still going to be, you know, right up there with, uh, you know, atop the Western Conference next season. And um, you know, they're going to be one of the favorites still going into the uh, next year's Stanley Cup uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, what about on the other side of things here? Boston, obviously, they, um, you know, go on. They, you know, they haven't beat Vancouver. Like I said, after being down two games to none early in the series, then, you know, having the huge task of, you know, being down three games to two and having to go and play a game seven back in Vancouver where, you know, Vancouver just you know, finished winning every single home game that they had at the Rogers, was it Rogers Center? Yeah, it's Rogers Center, Rogers Arena, whatever. Um, but, uh, I mean, what is where does Boston and Tim Thomas go from here? Because Tim Thomas, you know, like we saw, Con Smythe winner was phenomenal all throughout the playoffs, especially in the Stanley Cup Finals. But where do they go as a collective group from here? Well, you know, obviously they're going to go to a nice long summer. Um, but, you know, they are going to have to get back to work and try to continue the whole Cinderella campaign they had this playoffs. Um, Tim Thomas had his redemption from last year, but, you know, he's up to the puzzle. And who knows, that might be another curse for him next year. Uh, who knows? I mean, obviously they have a very competent backup in Tuka Rask, but there's a lot of controversy this year over this team. I mean, in general with the Pacaretti hit, um, you know, with Char in general, you as a captain, they had a lot and a lot of trouble as a team. Um, not to mention the injuries they sustained. You know, Mark Savard still hasn't recovered from the concussion from a couple of years ago, and now Horton is supposedly out with a concussion. Who knows how long it'll take for them to get back through their best players. You know, they're a very, very deep team, much like the Wings, where, you know, you sit in the first-round draft pick, you think, and so that's a pretty nice thing to have, but it's going to be an interesting season next year for the Bruins to see just how much this hangover will happen for them. Aaron, back on uh, June 12th, I was uh, reading Pro Hockey Talk. Um, James O'Brien wrote this article um, where he's discussing the potential downsides to winning the Stanley Cup. And he, and one of his big, big examples was uh, 
was the Chicago Blackhawks and, you know, how they, you know, kind of had to uh, sell away their team after they won because of the salary cap. But he also goes on to uh, talk about um, ownership kind of losing interest in, you know, once you win the Stanley Cup. Do you think there's any downsides to winning the Stanley Cup? And do you think Boston would go through any of these downsides if there are any? I mean, aside from, you know, days of binge drinking and hangovers, yeah, you're going <laughs> to run into a little bit of time where, you know, a lot of management do look at that. You know, the goal when you're hired is, hey, your job is to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, for a general manager, for a coach, for a player, that's their ultimate goal. And, um, you know, it takes a really strong owner to recognize, okay, we've done that. Now we need to keep moving forward. And um, you see that with a lot of teams, um, you know. Boston's a good example. A lot of original six teams kind of know that based off of just the history of the game. And I think that they realize that as an owner or as a general manager that you're expected to kind of keep that drive. And, I mean, we're lucky to have seen it in Detroit for so long. Um, But, I mean, yeah, you're going to notice things like that. And players themselves, they're going to realize, hey, I just want a Stanley Cup. I deserve more money. You saw with the Blackhawks last year. Um, So, you know, that, you know, just leads to players – thinking there may be more, a little bit more than they're worth than they're getting at the current team. And that can lead to other teams obviously kind of picking them up and creating that cycle that the NHL wants, obviously, and more and more teams coming closer to winning. So there's definitely um, a downside to winning, but most fans and players will take that summer celebration over what you have to deal with next year. I agree. It's, uh, you know, I think I think the biggest example of this is obviously Chicago, what happened to them, but I think with Chicago, you could kind of see that coming, um, you know, before they won the Stanley Cup, just because of, you know, the contracts they had. I mean, everybody knew that they were going to have, you know, trouble with, uh, you know, with the contracts of Patrick Kane and Marion Hossa kind of overlapping each other there, and, you know, it's, it was, it, it, everybody knew it was going to be a problem for them. The, 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 the thing where I don't think that it's a problem is if they wouldn't have won the Cup, they would have still had to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just... I mean, they they did that knowing full well if they didn't win the cup that year they were screwed. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they won the cup. They I mean they did what they needed yep. to do. So. Absolutely. Um, aside from the Stanley Cup this past week, Aaron, it seemed like the other big story coming out of uh, the hockey world is uh, Yamir Yager talking about coming back and playing playing his final days in the NHL in the NHL. Um, it seems like he's been kind of hinting on this since 2009. Uh, after the 2007-2008 season, when his contract with the New York Rangers was up, he uh, went and played for more money in the KHL, and uh, he's been there ever since the 2008-2009 season. Um, like I mentioned, there was you know there was rumors and everything since 2009 that Yager would be making his return, and he's since come out now and said that he wants to return to the NHL. And he's basically narrowed his list of teams down to, uh, down to, down to three, and that's the Detroit Red Wings, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, it, it, it doesn't seem like it's been announced, but it, the, that third team is the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Aaron, what do you make about Yager making his return to the, uh, to the NHL, and can he benefit either one of these three teams that they're talking about here? Um, definitely, you know, any team can really benefit from that. You know, he's a five-time scoring champion. He still has what it takes to play in this league. Um, the only thing that kind of 
will either help or hurt him is how long he takes to decide where he's going to go. Um, just because he originally left because he was a little tired of how much you had to condition for this kind of season. 82 games is a lot, not even counting playoffs. And I think if he waits too long to come back, that'll really hurt his chances of being an impact player. Um, I mean, just watching the Olympics a couple years ago, you know, he was a dominant presence. And, you know, despite being shaken up by Ovechkin, he was still a world-class player. Um, depending on the price, you know, he is a first-line player on almost any team still probably. You know, uh, he had a much condensed schedule in the KHL. They only played, I think, 50 games, and he was almost a point-per-game player. So, you know, for around three and a half to four million, he's a steal, but he could easily make probably five million a year. You know, Aaron, I, I agree with you because it seems like, you know, as far as the message boards and everything go, and Facebook, you know, a lot of a lot of fans out there are kind of scoffing at the idea simply because of Yager's age. I mean, he's he's 39 years old, but like you mentioned, I mean, the KHL. I mean, it's I, it's still not at the same talent level that the NHL is. But he did have 19 goals this past season. Um, I believe he had 30-some assists. And like you said, Aaron, he had 50 points in 49 games, which is which is pretty good. And even his last season in, uh, in with New York, he had a great season there as well. And he's been consistently good while he's been in the KHL. So... I mean, at the right price, of course. Of course, you you know, these three teams, whether you're the Wings, whether you're the Penguins, or whether you're the Canadians, of course you have to take a look at it because it's Yamir Yager and he could still play at a somewhat high level. And, of course, you're not going to go out there and sign him for $6 million a season. I mean, that's not going to happen. But he's still a guy that can contribute a lot to, a, to one of these three teams. And, you know... In terms of the Red Wings, I mean, who would you rather have, you know, playing for you? Would you rather have Patrick Eves or Drew Miller scoring, you know, what, 15 goals? About 10 goals, yeah. Yeah, 10, 15 goals. Or would you rather have Yamir Yager, who's going to be a point-per-game type of player, and play in every, in probably every single game? You really think he's going to be a point-per-game player in the NHL at age 39? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he's he he was a point per game player in the KHL, and again, I know it's not the same. And he couldn't level. handle this long season when he was in his mid thirties, so I don't see why he. But he wants. Think to, he can handle he, it in his late thirties. But he wants to return, and yes, he, you know what? He's probably not going to be a point per game player, but still, as a Red Wing fan, who would you rather have, Yamir Yager or Drew Miller or Patrick Eves? Um, are they all making the same amount of money? Because uh, in in that case, of course, Yamir Yager. No, Yamir Yager is probably going to be making more than Patrick. I mean, are we uh, giving Yamir Yager Brian Rafalski's old contract? No. Maybe even tacking a little bit no. more on. In that case, sure. Brian Rafalski was making what one point six or something? No, he's making six. No, he's making six. Oh, six million. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm no. That's what I said. I'm, you're not going to offer him a six million dollar contract. I think Aaron, you're. I mean, give what, give uh, give Yager a third of that. And, yeah, yeah. Maybe now, maybe we're talking. Yeah, this all depends on price. Yeah, and that's and that's that, that's all it is. If we, if we can get it for two million dollars a year, that is a friggin' steal. Five million dollars a year, no, it's not worth it. And that and that's what I'm saying. It, it all boils down to price because, of course, you've got if Yamir Yager is interested in playing for you, and the Wings do need the Wings do need scoring talent. I mean, they need they need more scores on their team. And if Yamir Yager wants is interested in playing for you, then you've got to listen. That's that's just the way I feel about it, and. 
Um, what if, what if his mullet gets stuck? At some he doesn't point? have a mullet anymore, <laughs> is, is, though. Which is he bringing the mullet back? Though? No, he's not. I don't think he is. And that's that's one. That's uh, another downside to all of this. If he's you not hang with Phil Coke. Yeah, if he's not rocking the mullet, then you know I don't know if I want to have anything to do with Yammer Yager. I know. So. <laughs> Anyways, Aaron, um, who do you think, though, Yamir Yager is going to end up signing? Because it seems like right now the rumor is he's leaning more towards Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, it's, that, Pittsburgh is, you know, one of the places where he spent almost 10 years of his life. He's still got a home there. Um, you know, in the fans, that'd be a great story, you know, playing alongside probably one of the best players in the world. Um, probably two of the best players in the world with Malkin and Crosby. That'd be a definite attraction for him, you know. He has a history with Mario Lemieux. So, yeah, that's probably going to be the number one destination for him. But, I mean, he also has expressed a lot of interest in playing with Lidstrom and Zephyr and Dabsuk. So, I mean, there's an entire opportunity where he could look at the track record the Wings have had with bringing in that veteran who wants one last shot at redemption. And most of the time they've had success with it. So that could be a real kind of benefit towards him as well where – with Crosby, you know, this concussion, who knows if he's going to be starting next year. That team could still be in trouble, whereas the Wings are primed and ready to make another run at the Stanley Cup. Hey, Aaron, i got to ask you, because everything I've read so far, it was those three teams, but uh, the couple articles I read, uh, I can't remember if it was yesterday, I think it was yesterday, um, just said that Pittsburgh was not interested in him. Have you heard anything about that? Um, I don't think Pittsburgh's made the strides Detroit has to really establish a rapport with them. Um, you know, obviously, Mario Lemieux is probably trying to get into contact with them to kind of see what he's um, But And obviously, as a GM, you're going to try to do that regardless with that. Do you, do you think Mario Lemieux and him got together to decide if they wanted to, you know, go play checkers somewhere in the park or maybe, uh, you know... Uh, do like a game of shuffleboard or something at the old folks' home. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite sure where you were going with that. I get it now. <laughs> oh man! Um, hey, with with Crosby still a question mark? Who knows that Pittsburgh might want to be looking towards it seriously. I, you know, I, I agree because you know those headshots. I mean, you talked about it earlier, Aaron. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with Nathan Horton and. You know those uh, those headshots can you know be devastating to you. Um, other than that, I mean, Unless you have a mullet to protect you. Yeah. Well, speaking of, speaking of another forty-year-old uh, player, Nicholas Lidstrom just signed a six-point-two million-dollar contract to return for his twentieth season with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, big question for you, Aaron. Obviously, he didn't take a discount or anything like that. He's getting paid the same exact amount as he did last season. Is he worth the six-point-two million dollars? In your opinion? Definitely. Um, you know, in my opinion, he's still the best offensive defenseman in the league. Um, he commands presence on the power play. And uh... whoa! Awesome. The looks hell like Skype. Yeah, it looks like oh man, we uh, yeah we lost uh, Aaron. Hopefully, we can get him back here. But um, I'll go ahead and take it off where Aaron left off. Six point two million dollars. I think Listrom. Obviously, a lot of Red Wing fans were hoping that he was going to take, you know, he's going to be able to take less money or offer to take less money. But um, Aaron brought up a very, very, very good point on our Facebook page when this was all happening. Um, and we're going to have him back here. He's he's worth $8 million, honestly, <laughs> in my opinion. He had one of his best years ever this year. So, yeah. Aaron, we have you back. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I was gonna. But, no, yeah. but go ahead. I mean, you could go ahead and, and uh, I mean, is you think Lidstrom's worth it? And you can go ahead and continue with your uh, with the point you're making. No, yeah, and like Lickles, you know, just said when I called back, you know, he's worth that kind of money, and other teams would pay him seven, eight million dollars, no problem. Uh, he's still one of the top five defensemen in the league, and you know, had a bounce back season, which he cited as a reason for him even considering coming back. And you know, I think he really wants one more shot at a Stanley Cup. Um, Holland has told him they will spend to the cap as usual to try to get him, you know, and the team one more Stanley Cup and. You know how great would it be for him to end his career tying Bobby Orr and lifting another cup? Oh, that'd be that'd be awesome. I mean, as a Red Wings fan, obviously that'd be that'd be phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, and you made you made a really good point uh, on our Facebook page, Aaron. And you know when we're when that topic was up there about you know whether or not Lidstrom is worth six point two million dollars, and a lot of people, a lot of Red Wings fans out there were wondering why he didn't take a discount. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, it, it's, and you said it that you couldn't see Mike Illich or Ken Holland offering Nicholas Lidstrom, you know, a, you know, a contract worth any less than what he made last season based off a, a bunch of different factors, whether it be the cap being, you know, raised in the NHL going into next season, Rafalski's contract coming off the books, and, um, you know, simply because of Nicholas Lidstrom, you know, being a candidate for the Norris Trophy at the age of 40 this past season. So, I mean, I don't know. I thought I thought that was a that was a good point that you made regarding that. Um, but uh oh, we lost him again. We're having problems, man, with Skype tonight. Yeah, no kidding. But no, I yeah, I don't see why. <laughs> it's a respect thing. They, you you don't go to. to Nicholas Lindstrom will go, hey, man, God, we'd love to have you back, but how does 4.5 sound? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, we got you back again. I don't know. We're having some problems with Skype tonight. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you heard everything I was saying about the points you were making um, on our Facebook page regarding fans, you know, being disappointed somewhat about him not taking less money. And like Nicholas just said, it seemed like what he was offered was more out of respect of what he's done, not only throughout his career, but this past season being a Norris Trophy finalist. Oh, definitely. And, um, you know, it's just, it goes to show, like last year, it was more, the whole organization felt you can't have your captain being paid less than the guys on the roster. Um, you know, Rafalski made six point, I think, six million in Houston, and so they offered him six point two. You know, that's you can Zetterberg aren't that far behind, so I think they just kind of figured we'll keep it where it is and see how this takes us. It's still plenty of cap space on the roster. All right. Well, um, we do have the NHL awards come um, tomorrow night uh, from Las Vegas. Uh, Obviously, this is where they hand out the Vesna, the Calder, the Hart Trophy, all those, you know, Lady, all those Bing. Lady Bing, all those big time trophies. I guess Lady Bing's a big time trophy. The NHL, it? yeah, sportsmanship. Why not? It's pink. It's not pink. Is it the most gentlemanly play? Yes. Isn't it pink? Is it the Lady Bing? No, pink? It, no it's yep. not. Is it pink? It's pink. It yeah. is pink. Yeah, it's pink. I didn't know it was pink. Yeah, it's pink. Come on. It's lady. Anyways. <laughs> Horrible, <laughs> Aaron. Real quick, and um, on some of these, uh, on some of these awards that we're gonna be, we're gonna be taking a look at the Calder, the Hart, the Vesna, the Adams, the Norris, and the Selkie Trophy. I guess real quick, give your thoughts on who do you think is gonna win 
We'll start out with the uh, the Calder Trophy that recognizes the best rookie in the NHL of this past season. Um, those nominations this year are Michael Grabner of New York Islanders, uh, Logan Couture from uh, San Jose, and Jeff Skinner from Carolina. Who do you see taking uh, taking this uh, this award this past this season? Uh, this one's going to be a bit of a toss-up, I think. It'll be probably between Skinner and Couture. Um, Skinner had a really big impact to the team and the city of Carolina. Um, so I think that's going to be a bigger part than if he made a big impact. But Couture will probably win the award because he was strong on the puck and he turned himself into a legitimate name in the NHL. Um, so I think Couture will probably win this one hands down. Um, as far as the Hart Trophy go- goes, which recognizes the MVP for this past season in the NHL, we've got Corey Perry from Anaheim, Daniel Sedin from Vancouver, and Martin St. Louis from Tampa Bay. Who do you see this taking this one? Um, I think Corey Perry will win this based off of when the voting occurred, um, when he was just putting together about two months of solid combination in the league, um, which is too bad because I kind of hate the guy, but... Daniel Sudin does have a strong case. You know, he won the Art Ross, but Perry was really more impressive with what he had around them than Daniel Sudin was. Um, For the Vezina, we have Roberto Luongo from Vancouver, uh, (laughs) Pecorine from Nashville, and Tim Thomas from Boston. Uh, You know, all three of these goalies had really big years. Pecorine made a big name for himself as a top-tier goaltender, but I think Tim Thomas really will win this based off his season storyline. Um, you know, the redemption clause, which we've been over a hundred times and, you know, he rode the pine all last year and then came back and, you know, had an incredible statistical season and won the Stanley Cup. Alright, well the Adams, or the Jack Adams trophy, we've got Dan Bilesma, which, this is recognized as the best coach in the league. Dan Bilesma from Pittsburgh, Barry Trotz from Nashville, and Aline I can't pronounce his last. Help me out with this one, Aaron. Uh, Viginal. There we <laughs> Viginal. go. There Viginal. we go. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, um, I think Bilesma or Trotz will win this. Um, Bilesma somehow managed to keep his team together and win games without Crosby or Malkin. While Trotz, you know, he kind of uh, took a team that had been a perennial disappointment possible relocation team to the spotlight that they were finally ready to step into. But um, I think, you know, with how the league and how everyone views Crosby and Malkin, that Bob will win this, no problem. Yeah, Barry Trotz, he's, I don't know, it seems like he's always, he always seems to have Nashville, who is, like you said, one of those teams that always is a threat to move, you know, is one of those small market teams. It always seems like he keeps them somewhat competitive, which is, and he's the longest tenured coach for a team um, currently, if I'm, correct on that i may have worded yep. that a little bit differently but uh but yeah he's uh he's been in nashville forever and it seems like he's always he's always done a really good job with those teams so um norris trophy obviously that one recognizes the best defenseman for this past season um finalist this year is Dano chara from boston nicholas listrom from detroit and shea weber from the nashville predators who do you think's taking this one um, Lichens, I think, the clear winner here. Weber had a really good year and kind of solidified the exposure he got from uh, the Olympics last year. Um, Chara, you know, obviously catching the Stanley Cup winners, but I think based off the Packeretti hit, that's going to really hurt any chances he has of winning it again. Um, and, you know, Lidstrom at age 40, I think that's going to be taken into consideration by a lot of people, despite his minus two rating. He's probably going to win the trophy. 
All right, and the Selkie Award, which basically honors the best defensive forward in the game. Um, nominees or the finalist, Pavel Datsuk, who's a three-time winner, and this is his fourth nomination. Um, Ryan Kessler from Vancouver, and Jonathan Taves from Chicago. Um, who do you see taking this one? Uh, this is going to be, on, I think, in my opinion, the closest trophy voting. Um, you've got three guys who are offensive dynamos for their team and are usually the first ones on the ice for a big power or penalty kill. Uh, Taves has really made a name for himself as a face-off beast. Kessler became a tour de force on the power play this year. Um, Datsuk is, I mean, you can't really say anything, but he's Datsuk because he is relentless on the puck. He's incredible in the offensive zone, but he also missed 23 games this year. So I think that's going to be the biggest factor in him not winning it. But um, I think Kessler will take it this time. 40 goals just can't be denied. All right, and this is all going to be handed out tomorrow night from Gary Bettman's favorite hockey hotbed, Las Vegas. Um, do you know what time this comes on tomorrow, Aaron? I believe it's 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Well, there you go. Aaron, thanks for joining us this week. Um, another great night of uh, Crash the Net. And um, we will, uh, we're going to set something up next week and for Crash the Net. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. Have a good night, all right? All right. See you. Right, like I said, that's Aaron Egemeyer, Crash the Net. Um, we're going to go ahead and take another quick commercial break. This is The Majors Live on TheMajors.net. We'll be right back. because I was just making money stealing cars. Well, I was 10 when I first got involved with drugs. I skipped school because, you know, nobody cared. When I first got pregnant, school was not important to me, so I dropped out. I just thought the only way I can make something out of my life is that if I get an education. I still need to go to school to make, make it for myself. Stay in school. Give yourself a chance. I think I'm happier now. I know I'm happier now. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. This is Carl Edwards here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just one phone charger. So um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks. How much energy and money could the new ones really save? Maybe it's time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the energy and resources we can. Because a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later. And you just never know what people will need in the future. 
My name is Sarah, and I'm going to get started today. We can all help save more energy for tomorrow. What's your excuse? For more energy-saving tips that also save money, visit loseyourexcuse.gov parents. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy, the Ad Council, and the station. This is Adam Hernandez, Majors Update. Ohio State University on Tuesday dropped its review of car purchases by football players and family members after two separate investigations found dealerships made money on almost all of the sales. The university made its decision in light of a report by the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles and a separate review by the Ohio Independent Automobile Dealers Association. In other NCAA news, North Carolina has received a notice of allegations from the NCAA outlining violations in the football program. Team spokesman Kevin Best confirmed that the school had received the notice and that the UNC, and that UNC planned to release it later Tuesday. The NCAA has been looking into improper benefits and academic misconduct involving a tutor since first visiting the Chapel Hill campus last summer. The university has 90 days to respond to the notice. It comes two weeks after the NCAA said it planned to, comp to complete the investigation this month in a belated notice of inquiry, a procedural step that stands as a formal notification of an investigation to a sports program. Fourteen players missed at least one game last season due to the investigation. Seven were ruled out for the entire year, while an eighth was cleared at midseason but decided to redshirt. In NBA news, Dirk Nowitzki is considering joining the German national team this summer to help their chances of qualifying for the 2012 Summer Olympics. Nowitzki told ESPN 103.3 FM on Tuesday that he would decide within a few weeks. Germany must finish among the top six of the 24 teams at the Eurobasket tournament to be eligible to qualify for the next Olympics. Nowitzki hasn't played for Germany since the 2008 Olympics, an experience he's called among the highlights of his career. Somehow I think that's changed. He said he's told German officials he'd help the next generation to get to the Olympics. However, the Mavs extended the, however, the Mavs extended run and ensuing celebrations have left the NBA Finals MVP in need of some downtime. In one last NBA note, Pat Riley expects better days ahead are ahead for the Miami Heat. Speaking Tuesday, more than a week after the Heat season ended with a loss to the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals, Miami's team president said that not winning the title was a disappointment, but insisted the season still had plenty of successes. I'll say I'm not afraid to say it, Riley said. In his annual end of the season avail of availability, we're going to be multiple contenders, okay? I have a, no problem saying that. We will contend. That's all it's about. When you have a team that can contend for a championship, that's what you want because then you have a shot at winning. I know what everybody expected here. I know what everybody expected here, but it didn't happen, Riley added, but we had a great season. For more, check out themajors.net. In the meantime, we'll get back to the Majors Live on themajors.net. I am Adam Hernandez.
Welcome back, sports fans. You are listening to The Majors Live on the majors.net or grouty.com. This is webisode number 66 of The Majors Live. It's almost a 2,218 in the search for Tim Day. If you're just joining us, you missed us discussing some rioting in Vancouver after the Stanley Cup loss. Royal Mac- Rory McIlroy's big win. We uh, did some Wimbledon and all-around tennis talk with Nicholas, NBA draft talk, and we crashed the post-postseason net with Aaron Agemeyer. Here's your host, Adam Hernandez. I'm going to go ahead and throw it right back to you, Squirrel. Um, who we have coming up in Grouty tomorrow night? Tomorrow night we have Christian Draham from uh, The Infatuations and Ty Stone and The Truth. He's going to be coming on talking about all the major, major things he's going on. He's got going on right now. He uh, just got off his uh, tour with Kid Rock, and um, you know he's uh, he's got all kinds of news from his two bands. I can't believe he actually found a few extra minutes to come on Grouty That's tomorrow awesome. night. But uh, he's gonna be here live in studio. Sounds good. Oh, uh, we got back to talking movies tomorrow night too. Sounds good. Awesome. Maybe we could stir up a little bit of Beck's Nicholas Squirrel. Uh Perhaps rivalry. Uh, we can see how uh, Chris Strahan feels about um, Bex taking her spot on the show too. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be opinionated on that. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Make sure you stay tuned to Grouty tomorrow night, eight o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Grouty.com, themajors.net. So, um, like I said, it sounds like a great show. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, we're gonna go ahead and move on though to our game time segment here. Bitches and badasses. We do this every week. Who's the biggest bitch? Who's the biggest badass from this past week um, in sports? Or if you want to pick somebody else outside of sports, you can do that as well. Um, Tip's not here to lead things off, so I'm going to throw it to you, Squirrel, if that's okay. Okay, no problem. Um, You know, bitch. No, we'll go badass first. Badass. um, You know, I'm actually, I don't typically go with a a tennis badass, but I'm going to go with Serena Williams, actually. Not usually a big fan of crying in sports, but she's a chick, so I will let it slide. <laughs> um, but her uh, her first round performance, coming back from a lot when uh, you know she's basically you know made a major veteran in her sport at this point at age twenty nine, uh, well past the uh, typical female tennis prime. Uh, but she came back when everyone said she couldn't and uh, got out of the first round. I know it's just a first round win, but. It was pretty cool, and it was cool to see her emotional like that as well. Um, bitch, uh, yeah, we can't really, NBA's over, can't really do LeBron anymore, huh? <laughs> um, no, we'll still go with LeBron one more week. <laughs> just LeBron James. Um, we're just, you know, remember that time he, you know, sucked in the NBA Finals and lost to Dirk in the Mavs? I do. Well, um, I thought you were going to say that Tammy lost to Tim Duncan in the Finals and sucked really bad. <laughs> But, uh, you know, one, we'll go one more week, even though the season's over. And, uh, LeBron, you're you're still a bitch. I haven't forgot about your bitchness. With that said, even though he's not here tonight, I'm sure that's going to be Tip's bitch. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ahead, Queen Legolas. James is uh, is my bitch. Go ahead, Legolas. Uh, my bitch this week, uh, the Vancouver Citizens. Uh, there's no doubt that what, watching them, though I will admit uh, I got some enjoyment out of watching the riot coverage uh i was watching those people do it i don't know uh, it's how can you not side with the police on something like that when it's just a bunch of assholes trashing a town for literally no reason whatsoever so the vancouver citizens 
Um, I'm hoping to save my badass of Serena Williams for next week when she's in the second week of Wimbledon. <laughs> I'm hoping. But uh, I'm going to go actually go with Justin Verlander for uh, being the most dominant pitcher in baseball over the last month. I mean, his last, amazing. His second straight complete game, his fourth of the season, and over the last month, his ERA is a 1.05. Uh, so he has just been... It's it's at that point now where you're like you hear Verlander's pitch and you're like, well we're as long as we score one or two runs we're solid. I mean he just he he's amazing. It's crazy too because I mean the last game that he pitched against the Indians was it against the Indians? No, yeah. it was against Colorado. He pitched. Oh last. no, the last one. Yeah, yeah the last game yeah. he pitched was. But the game prior to that, it seemed like he could have pitched another no hitter, but he, he he I think he purposely threw at. Carlos Santana in that game, which obviously negated the perfect game later on, um, based off what Carlos Santana did when he hit a walk-off home run earlier in the season. But, I mean, every single time Verlander goes on the mound, it seems like he has the potential to throw a no-hitter. Oh, he does. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's like an ominous glow. Yeah, I mean, he's... he's you can tell when he has the chance. He, he looks different. You're right. It is almost like a glow <laughs> to him. And he's such an intense... Play, and he's such a hothead too that it's great. I oh mean, yeah, I mean he was. I mean the other the other day against uh, Colorado, he's pitching in the ninth inning. I just remember there's the eighth or ninth inning. The Tigers are up like it was like, like nine. Yeah, nine it was like nine seven to one, nine to one at this point. And it's and he was, he threw like two consecutive balls, and he was pissed. You could see him pissed off. He was he was he was throwing down the f bombs, which you could tell, and you know. When his, the ball was thrown back at him, you know, he was kind of swiping it out of the air. And I, I like that in a pitcher. I mean, I like a pitcher that wants to go out there and throw a uh, and throw a no-hitter every single time. I think well, that, that's good. Oh, it's awesome. And, I mean, it, when uh, he was up to bat, was it Jimenez was pitching and threw it, like, an inch away from his face? Yes. And uh, I didn't get to see it, but I was talking to uh, Diggler of Grouty Radio, and uh, he, he said you could read his lips when he got up. He looked at the bench and just went, well, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that is so awesome. And he had a smirk on his face. Yeah. Like, um, I cannot wait to throw at this guy, <laughs> which is so great. And, and how great is it the Tigers have two nine-game winners so far this season? Yeah. Only three in the in all of Major League I know, baseball. and two of them are on our team. Uh, and Max Scherzer has the chance to be the first ten-game winner so far in the MLB. I know. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, even though Max Scherzer hasn't had the best outing past... Uh, no, his past four or five starts. Have, yeah. But whatever, man. I mean, yeah. shit. They've got, they still have an excellent one-two punch. And, you know, and again, speaking more about Justin Verlander, too, I mean, out of all the pitchers that have thrown... Uh, no hitters and consecutive no or not consecutive but multiple no hitters. It seems like Justin Verlander. You could you could almost throw money down that he is good for at least a couple of more no hitters in his career. The way that he's been pitching, the way he's kind of been reinventing himself in terms of not going out there and throwing a hundred miles per hour early in the game, but saving that towards the end is just, it's, it's phenomenal. And you can throw 120, 130 pitches every single game. Yeah. And he's no worse for it. Exactly. Eric, do you have a bitch and badass? I know, I know you're, you're new for the majors live uh, this week. Well, my, my bitch is the, this group of NFL owners that want the lockout. Dan Schneider, Al Davis, and Ziggy Wilf. Wilf or Wilf. 
Is it really a surprise, though, that Dan Snyder and, and Al Davis are the two that want to keep this going, considering they're they're both crazy? I mean, Dan Snyder can't. I mean, I don't know why he is still the manager, or not the manager, but the owner of the Redskins. And Al Davis, I don't, I don't even think he. he look, he's a corpse. He is a corpse. I mean, he looks, he looks. He said, I, he, said, he came out and said, "I'd rather have um, Demarcus Russell than Calvin Johnson." And he looks. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Good to do it. More, more. Just take it. On this ninety-eight day lockout, everything is going as he has foreseen. <laughs> <laughs> he he's so Emperor Palpatine. He just he wants the lockout to happen so he can go back to the Death Star. And do you think? Do you think he? Do you think he is? You know, playing the Maurice, the Maurice Smith and and Roger Goodell. <laughs> I mean, it could this could be the closest thing we have to Emperor Palpatine. That's that's real life. Mm-hmm. Just need um, Yoda to go kick his ass. I don't know yeah, who would be the Yoda. I don't think the Sith could have returned without us knowing. <laughs> uh, do you have a, do you have a badass, Eric? Yeah, my my badass. I haven't been here in a while. That's Brady Hope for his recruiting class this year. I mean, he's the, the sixth. Thank you. He, the sixth, the um. sixth best recruiting class in <laughs> in the country right now, and he's getting, and he's just trying to snag the decommits from Ohio State, like Tom Strobel, the defensive end, in uh, the fourth best offensive lineman, in Kyle Callis, and then the five-star running back, Dunn. I'm not going to try to butcher his first name. <laughs> Let's call him Ryan Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to make a Ryan Dunn joke oh, for a no, second. That's what I thought. <laughs> Ryan. Oh, here it comes. I mean, this is, not he's not even coached a game yet, and snagging game as the, one of the top recruiting classes. I guess that would be my argument against it. Let's wait till this guy coaches a game at Michigan to... Nothing really? wrong with making him a bad. I can't see. Oh, here we go. That's fine. That's fine. Adam is just bummed that he's not going to have Rich Rod to beat up every week. Hey, he's hey. just. He's he actually he loved hating Rich Rod so much oh, more God, than he could yeah. ever love it loving made, it someone. Made for, it made for great radio. Come on, it did it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> As Nick no, Drew, it just, Rich Rod rules. I mean, be, between <laughs> between Hell yeah, Rich, he did. Between Rich Rod no longer being coach at Michigan, I mean, if Loongo were to no longer be the goalie in Vancouver, Adam would have to cancel his show, eh? <laughs> but nothing to talk about. Come on. Yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. Brady Hoke, badass this week. You know, he's done it pretty much. Yeah, I don't think Gilson is saying that, oh, this, it's a done deal. Brady Hoke, you know. I'm just saying. 12-0 national championship. Just on paper, he's just, his yeah, recruiting class. He likes what he did. He's, he's entitled to that. Good job, Brady Hope. Yeah, he can be a, a badass for one week because of what he what hey, he did. Hokamania is running wild. Yeah, there you go. What you Hulk gonna do? There we go. A- Adam Adam is uh, uh, under the Adam's like the opposite is of the justice system. You are guilty until proven good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we hired you. Oh, he's never happy about it's like, hires. It's just oh, who'd we get? Well, he sucks. How many games has he won for us yet? It's like, it's the offseason. He hasn't played a game yet. Well, then, fuck like him. Like I said, zero <laughs> wins. It's like the old Salem witch trials. She's yeah. a fucking witch. <laughs> well, do you have any proof? There we go. She's a fucking witch. <laughs> she turned me into a newt. Anyways, my bitch this past week, aside from all of you, uh... 
Is it Roberto? It is. It is. It is Roberto. It is Mr. Roberto. <laughs> this is just proving Josh's point. <laughs> it is Roberto Luongo. No, but okay. Dude, why? Why wouldn't Roberto Luongo be a bitch? Yeah, he didn't score four goals in that last game. <laughs> it, oh, come on! You're gonna make you're gonna make excuses now for. Roberto I'm not making Luongo. excuses. Hey, he, for didn't, him. he didn't go riot. I'm just saying that had he only let in one of those goals, they still would have lost. He choked. Roberto Luongo choked. Whether you want to say it was Game Seven or the rest of the so finals. After being pulled, and you know what? The rest of the finals, including the three games they won. Well, you know what? It, it he does, totally it, choked in the shutouts. It does. It does. You know what though? Those don't matter now. Those do not matter. They don't matter the, the only at thing, all. No, because Vancouver didn't win the Stanley Cup. But I mean, if you're talking about how he played, no though, rings, no wings. he played terrible. He let in uh, 18 total goals, and even that game seven alone, they only had 20 shots against Roberto Luongo. 20 shots, where Tim Thomas turned away 37. No, I'm uh, Tim Thomas played very well. I mean, I don't think anyone would. And Roberto Luongo that. choked. Well, in Hale didn't have a hangover. Roberto, just where were their scorers though? Oh, that's, that's where a, was their that, offense? That's a contributing factor, but still, you had you have you have a three games to two lead late in the series. You have a two games to none lead early in the series. You, and at that point, Roberto Luongo is a big big reason why they ended up not winning that series after being pulled two consecutive nights in Boston for not letting in two quick goals. He let in three quick goals one night, and then another night he let in, what, eight goals? No, I, I, I agree. There is no excuses I anymore. Agree. No, I just I can't, I can't not bring up Nicholas's point earlier that it's hard for me to blame a goalie when your team gets shut up. But that's one game. A game but that it was he, the game. It was game it, seven of the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, but it was a game two. The only it's not just that a he only, game. It was only a game not two. A that game. He, it was a game though not that he game. only faced twenty shots. That's True. it. That's it. When you have the opposition turning aside thirty-seven. Yeah. No, that's true. Your so, badass Tim Thomas. What was that? Badass My badass is Timmy Thomas, Davison Zone, Michigan native Tim Thomas. Absolutely phenomenal in the Stanley Cup Finals. Nicholas uh, <laughs> is saying he's so-so. He was a little better than the Sedin twins. <laughs> um, worth, you know, absolutely. Offensively, de- they did about the same. <laughs> That's true. Um, absolutely deserve the Conn Smythe. Um, what is he, 37 years old? I think he's the oldest Conn Smythe winner in NHL history. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, you know, and this is a guy. Neat. Yeah, this is a guy too that basically lost his starting job in Boston last season, and then came back to um, to uh, reclaim Chris it. Osgood story. Not yeah, kind of, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Chris Osgood. If they, I still think he had a was could have argued that Chris Osgood still should have maybe won the Conn Smythe back in 2009 when the Red Wings lost to Pittsburgh, but that's once in a blue moon that you get the... I think it would have happened this year. If if Vancouver would have ended up winning the Stanley Cup, I think this year you would have seen the losing team have a Conn Smythe winner. I hate it when they do that. Yeah, I, mainly I hate it too because it's not like the losing player's happy they win the Conn Smythe. They go yeah. out there and they're like... Fuck this. Like when Jaguar won it, he was like, yay, awesome. It looked like he was about to break it on the ice. That is, You're yeah. mi- they're miserable. That would have been so metal if Jaguar. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> and just, like the other team's drinking like Don Perry. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. 
Hey guys, can I join in too? <laughs> he'd, have, he'd have broke it over his knee, thrown it on the ice, and peed on it. <laughs> <laughs> or he could have just been like a Miami Heat player and just went, hell yeah, can I party? Yeah. <laughs> then they let him hold the cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone on the Miami Heat. If they got the MVP after losing, they, they'd have been, they, they'd considered a success. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they'd have thought, oh, complete. I've, the rest of the team may not have <laughs> yep, won a championship. I did. I did, baby. Look at this. How ridiculous would it be to see a picture of the one of the Miami Heat players holding Dallas's championship <laughs> trophy going, oh, just raising their hands, smiling. Who says LeBron didn't get his championship? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Mike Miller holding it up. Yes. Yeah, so no, Random-ass player. It would be, that would just be funny. <laughs> Arm around Mark Cuban. Yep, exactly. Eat, eat some Dairy Queen together. Uh, Udonis has him with his stupid hair holding it. <laughs> <laughs> Wear, wearing a Dallas bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing off like a really lame peace sign. Oh, that would be awesome, and this would make me like Mark Cuban forever, is if he bought everyone on the Miami Heat loser bracelets. <laughs> How fantastic would that be? I mean, you could just go to like Claire's and that pay like, $2 for it. That seems like something Mark Cuban might actually do, that too. That would be freaking awesome. Maybe the old Mark it seems like Mark Cuban's yeah. kind of turned a new leaf now. He's yeah, in 06, easy, that would have been what he did. Um, other than that, though, we've got we've got a we've got a kind of a new uh, feature here to the game time segment. Um, it's called Me First, and basically, what comes first out of these two uh, out of these two scenarios? And I'm going to go ahead and name it off. We've got four for this week. It's pretty easy. We're going to go throw it out for a quick discussion. Um, our first one is, who wins a major title first? Is it Serena Williams or is it Tiger Woods? Nicholas, I'll let you take this one first. Serena Williams. Serena Williams? If she, stays, if she really is healthy again, yeah, she'll either win Wimbledon or she'll win the U.S. Open. Uh, Eric, go ahead. I really don't like either of both, but I would go with Serena Williams because Tiger's injured right now. And he's not been winning the past two years. That's that's good. A good point, actually. Yeah, Gilson actually told me it was going to be Pete Weber <laughs> yeah, during the break. <laughs> uh, I'll say Serena Williams as well. I'm going with Serena Williams. I mean, like, I mean, you pretty much summed it up, Eric. I mean, Tiger Woods is hurt, and he hasn't been winning previous to this previous previous to his injury. Oh, so was the Masters when he took the lead for Josh Stroke. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean, Choked. definitely. I mean, especially from what you've uh, what you talked about earlier in the show, Nicholas, the way that uh, Serena Williams has kind of come back, and it, and it seems like you know she hasn't missed a beat. So um, I definitely think that she will end up uh, winning a major title. Do you, here. do you think it has something to do with Tiger Woods? Steroids? No. Do you think that ever since he stopped choking chicks off of the you know, choking chicks while he wasn't playing golf. He started choking on the golf course. Maybe. No, I mean, no he's still fucking bitches and getting money. Yeah, maybe. But I just, I'm just wondering if maybe like the, the, you know, he has to choke somewhere. He doesn't have the sure piece at home that Ellen Nordian was. So I don't know. I'm sure maybe, maybe that does have something to play into it. He might so. be choking his tiger shark. He might be. <laughs> Yeah, but if we've learned anything, he liked to have a woman at home that was gorgeous that he didn't have sex with, and then he liked nasty chicks. Do you think that, do you think, I mean, one of the things that Serena and Tiger Woods might have in common is they both take steroids? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think either of them take steroids. No, I think Serena wouldn't have been out for a year. (laughs) She was taking steroids, she would have healed up in two months. 
All right, next one here, we've got the Lions winning the Super Bowl, or we actually kind of talked about this earlier, or the Toronto Raptors winning an NBA title. Squirrel, go ahead and take it. Raptors. Raptors winning an NBA title. Yes. Right. The Lions are never going to win the Super Bowl, ever. That's easy, the Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl, because it's going to happen within the next three years. Lions, because the Raptors are... I mean, who wants to go play basketball in Toronto? Well, I'll tell you what, our our grandkids can continue this bet (laughs) when one of them eventually eventually wins. It's like like 2021. My grandson will owe your grandson $5, which will be like nothing, then. Five euros. It already is nothing. (laughs) That's true. It's like year 3,000. Lions and Toronto Raptors win the same year. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm. Lions would win first. Though. I'm with, I'm with Nicholas and Eric on this one. I think, I think the Lions win the Super Bowl before the, uh, the Toronto Raptors, which is, which is horrible for the Toronto Raptors. Also because basketball is just a star-driven league, league, and well, you know what? I you think don't that see a lot of stars going to Toronto, even though they get drafted. You know what? I think that that could be more of an argument the other way, whereas, you know, all Toronto really needs is one superstar that they could acquire during the draft, in which case he's stuck with them for, yeah, for at least a few years. Or three stars. How about Miami's main trio moves to Toronto? There you go. They bring their talents up north. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. We're bringing our they talents. Build, they can all have a nice snowball fight. Ma- maybe yeah, they are really. The maybe they're all really yearning to <laughs> see the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, they could be like you know LeBron, Chris Bosh. Yeah, Pantages Theater. Yeah, Pantages Theater. LeBron gets drunk in a movie here, asking to see the ugly side of his face. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, "I'm going to be taking my talents to Young Street." And that'd be awesome. That, that would, that be, would awesome. be so sweet. I would root for LeBron again if he did that. That'd <laughs> be sweet. Then that would be Bosch's team. And then they'll eventually make a stop in Cleveland when they're all like 39. This is LeBron's team again. Yeah, well, just because LeBron is hell-bent on having every, his jersey retired. Cleveland. All right. They just make a tour of the fucking... <laughs> uh, next one. What comes... This is kind of an easy one here. What comes first? A new NFL collective bargaining agreement or a new NBA collective bargaining agreement? Go ahead, Eric. NFL because I just read the new CBA that was proposed. Well, it seems like yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I have, I have down. yeah, I mean, mainly because they haven't even begun to start discussions with the NBA one, and, and football's been going on for months now. So I have to assume that football will be. If it's not, damn. Actually, the NBA has been having secret meetings. Well, you always have secret meetings, but I mean, like no, actual I'm lockout like, crap. Joking. Oh, no, okay. but no, they have I'm, been. I, been. There's no good. doubt they've been talking, yeah. but no. So I just say, hey, I have to go with the football, I think. Because everybody knows the NBA and NFLs are right up there with the CIA in terms of secrecy, so go ahead, Squirrel. NFL, same reason. Yep. They've been just been negotiating longer. I've been had the opportunity to talk about it longer. Here we go, last one. What comes first, an Ohio State Big Ten football title? Or Michigan Big Ten football title. Go ahead, Squirrel. Michigan. Because I'm Michigan slapping. Nebraska. No, <laughs> I think Michigan definitely. I'm a Michigan slappy, but I'm going to go with Ohio State this year. Really? Big Ten title this year? Yes. Our, uh, the splits count? 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a Big Ten title. Yeah. They split it with Nebraska. Okay. Well, hmm. no, it, it no, can't they be. They a don't split do splits anymore because yeah, they have a championship game. Right. Oh, that's true. Uh, no, but I think either Duh. Iowa State will win it or be right behind Nebraska. Well, that, that, that still is you got to pick somebody. I, I just said he Ohio said he, State. He picked Ohio State. You picked Ohio State. Yes. You can't or you, pick or Nebraska. You, or you said I, they'll be right behind Nebraska. If you listen, I'm saying I'm taking Ohio State, and if they don't win, they'll probably be right behind Nebraska. Okay. Okay. So I guess. Because the question was between Ohio State and Michigan. Who I guess I'm first? just getting my listening skills from you during the show, so. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Um, that's a bold statement, Gilson. But you you could be right though. Uh, I'm gonna bold ass prediction. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Michigan because Brady Hoke's doing such a good job recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> just bring bring the new guy on and just trash him for, for two straight hours. It's okay. I can still beat up Adam. <laughs> can you? Can you kick my <laughs> My dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> uh, um, but oh, I'm serious, though. I think I think Ohio State's going to be. Oh, you're serious about Brady Hook doing a good job? He's doing a good job. What? Whatever. Hey, say that he's, again. He's doing, a, he's doing a good job. Wait, Whatever. he hasn't won a game yet. He How is he, he doing a good job? Well, okay. I was gonna, I was hey, gonna, guess I was, what? Michigan and Ohio State's coaches have won the same amount of games. There. Yeah, they both suck, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Loser. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm, I'm trying to give Michigan some props here, but if you want to keep on interrupting me, then I won't. So, hey, can Ohio State win a Big Ten championship though? I mean, well, it depends. Well, like I said, it depends what happens with the NCAA. Okay. I think I think the NCAA is going to end up dropping the hammer on them. And I've said it before that I think the NCAA is going to offer a lot of Ohio State's players the chance to transfer without losing a year of eligibility, which I think a lot of these players are going to take advantage of, which is going to seriously, seriously, seriously deplete Ohio State's talent pool. So, um, a lot of those players are visiting Ann Arbor. Well, I'm talking about players that are already on the roster. Oh. So, but yes, it is we true. Need the, we don't need the Ohio State scum. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> hey, at least Rich Rod guys, we don't need Rich Rod never get <laughs> The best thing Rich Rod ever did for Michigan is not. He wasn't good enough to get Terrell Pryor. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That thank thank you, Rich Rod, for honestly is and is especially the way Rich Rod came over here. I couldn't. I could easily see Pryor. Uh, Asking well, what you're gonna offer me there, and him just kind of going, nothing. We're not paying you, dude. A, g- <laughs> a good education. Yeah, exactly. I want money. Yeah. And eight cars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a doobie that you can go smoke. With the hippies <laughs> yeah. <in> the <laughs> and three hookers. Anyway, we're gonna move on to our fan question, though. Jack McKeon, like I mentioned at the top Every of the show. Every time I try to bring up hookers, you always move on to the next <laughs> subject. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to talk more about? Hookers? You want to talk about Fat John? <laughs> We've got a listener of Grouty though, so that's 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 good. That's, that's good. good. Yeah, if you don't know who Fat John is, tune in. Tune in to Detroit Grouty Radio. There you go. Wednesday check, check it out on iTunes. And you could listen live every Wednesday. You could right here on the majors at night. Eight o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Um, anyways, though. Um, you didn't want to have anything else you want to say about hookers, did you? No, no, I'm good. Okay. About strippers. Anything about strippers? Just that they're the same thing. Yeah, there's no <laughs> difference. Are they the same thing? Yeah. They're the same thing. All right. 
Yeah, I guess. You give them both enough money, they'll do just about anything. That's true. That's true. Anyways, though, um, fan question. Jack McKeon back managing the Florida Marlins. 80 years old. Was their manager back in the early 2000s, 2003 to 2005. Won a World Series with them back in 2003. Um, Brought back in large part. We talked about it last night around the diamond because he's very much a disciplinarian. Florida seems to be having a lot of trouble right now with uh, their players just pretty much getting away with anything they want. Hanley Ramirez in particular has been a problem with that team for a few years now. Um, And actually he showed up late, I believe, yesterday to a team meeting in which Jack McKeon went and benched him for that following game. So... Uh, other than that, though, I mean, Jack McKeon, obviously, returning to the Florida Marlins. What manager, coach, would you like to see return and come out of retirement and come back and coach in professional sports? Oh, just professional, not college? You could do college, too. Uh, Joe Paterno. Oh, wait, no, he never left. Shit. No, I mean. I, mascot. <laughs> for me, I mean, and he's not even old, but Bill Cowher. Uh, the former, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers coach. I mean, he's still, you know, in his fifties, and I just—he's such a good coach that I just really, and mainly because I'm a Dolphins fan, and God, I wish they would hire Bill Cowher. Get Chucky. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I don't like John Gruden. No, I don't. I, I, don't I, he, I am. I don't get the love affair people have with John. Gruden. No, ever since ever he, since hearing him on Monday Night Football. Was he on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football? It was Monday Night Football. Yeah, it's Monday Night Football. I remember. He just, ugh. I, no. just, I just can't stand listening he, he to him. He took over a Tampa Bay team that Tony Dungy created and basically just showed up. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to dis- discredit John Gruen totally, but you're right. I mean, Tony Dungy had a huge, huge yeah. hand in building that team. Um, Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr? Yeah. You or, know what? or Chuck Daly, even though he's dead. But, <laughs> oh, Chuck Daly. But, I mean, he's probably younger than some of these guys we're talking about or would be if he was still alive. You know what? Lloyd Carr is one of those two that. Thanks, Josh. You took mine. <laughs> I, 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 blame, I blame a lot of Michigan fans for what Michigan went through the past couple of years. Oh, uh, Lloyd Carr is too boring. You know, the, the, the offense and defense that he runs is too yeah. boring. Oh, uh, you know, we're sick of, we're sick of winning and, you know, being contention for the, for the Big Ten title every single season. Yeah, let's get, my, let's. I miss my shirt that says all we do is win. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get somebody else. You know, we, we want, we want the, we want the spread offense, even though it doesn't really work in the Big Ten. Actually, I can argue that point that eight out of the 12 teams now run the spread in the Big Ten or form up the spread. And eight out of the 10 teams suck. Well, all of the ones you're talking about. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like the only ones that don't run a form of the spread is Wisconsin and Michigan State. Yeah, but Rich Rodriguez really didn't run. I mean, yeah, he was a he was a spread offense coach, but it wasn't it wasn't. Of course, you, Denard Robinson ran it, but you could but you could <laughs> you couldn't say it was a true spread offense like what Oregon ran. I would say it was pretty close to a true spread. It's a bastardization I mean, of the uh, spread offense. A uh, spread offense is just a four set wide receiver, four, four wide that's, set. That's I think it is too. I think it's yeah, total. Plus, uh, I don't think uh, Rich Rod's problem was his shitty offense. No, <laughs> I think it was Greg fucking. Dickhole, <laughs> or Greg Robinson. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow, I'm like, I actually didn't understand what you were saying. There. I, I just, 
I couldn't think of his last name, but this fucking defense, one twenty out of one fucking twenty. Man, I've never heard so much. I know cursing. God, so you what, know, what are men to do with such reckless hate? I know, Lickless, I thought I thought Lickless swore a lot sometimes on, on Grouty. I know it's like, what do we bring Artifact back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Anyways, do you have a do you have a backup or is it still Lloyd Carr you want to see, or is it? You Rich go Rod? first. Rich, go. Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> well, me in particular, you know what? This is a guy, and this is another Michigan coach that I think that probably should have gotten, um, I think he kind of got a bad rap from what happened to him um, when he was the Michigan head coach. Gary and, Moeller? Gary Moeller, yep. Yeah. Um, he's a, well, I guess so is what's the name. I was going to say, he's like 80 years old, though. Yeah, but so was Jack McKean. Yeah, so was Joe Paterno. <laughs> yeah, um... I, I think he got a bad rap at Michigan. You know that one incident at uh, at you know that restaurant and what was it? Yeah, he peed Hill. behind a dumpster. Yeah, who who doesn't pee behind a dumpster every? I once probably in shouldn't day. admit this live on air, but I peed behind a lot of dumpsters God, in my Josh life. Is sick. I mean, <laughs> I peed. Behind. Just do it to a bush. That was a total setup, anyway. It was. It oh, was. he got drunk at a bar or wherever it was. Oh, and they just so happened to have recording equipment with him. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, and then and then what would happen with him with the Lions? He did it. Who did he take? I can't remember. He took over Gary, for. Uh, yeah. Bobby Ross. Bobby Ross. Oh, okay. I don't Bobby feel sorry Ross. for him with the Lions. He made a lot of money and had a pretty good record. Uh, well, three and three. That's damn good. Well, as no, Lions because coach. who? T- because who took over after that? that was Matt Millen yeah. and yeah, Morningway. Danny guy brought in Marty Morningway. M and M, man. That was that was a good day. It was a good day to be a Lions fan. Oh, absolutely. It actually was a good day to be a Lions fan. Oh, when I turn around, take the knife out of my back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, Gary Moeller. I mean, I think I I don't think he got a fair shot. You know, when he was a college coach, I don't think he got a fair shot either. When he was a, um, I'd like to see Phil Jackson come back too, even though he's only been gone for like five minutes. But <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see Phil Jackson return to the NBA. Well, speaking of the NBA and their coach, I can't believe Pat Riley isn't going to do anything about Eric Spolstra. That is that is ridiculous. I, Eric Spolstra. He's a transitional coach. I mean, he's not a coach that's going to be able to. I mean, you need. It's obvious that you need some type of of, of handler, or you need some type of, of of tamer in the NBA to manage a bunch of different egos that are on a team. I mean, Phil Jackson was one of those coaches that was able to do mm-hmm. that, not only in Chicago but in uh, in LA as well. And that's what they need. Pat, if anybody needs to come out and coach that team. It needs to be like a guy like Pat Riley. He needs to step down and you know come up from the booth or behind the bench and coach this team because if anybody's going to listen to anybody, it's going to be Pat Riley who they're going to listen to. I, just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he changes his mind about that before I, the season starts. The fa- I can't believe he didn't do what he did to Van Gundy in 06. And Van Gundy Halfway has more... through the season, just all of a sudden, I'm going to be coached anymore. And I'm like, and I can't stand Van Gundy, but it was like, more credibility than Spolstra does. Yeah, and it was just one of those things. Was like, he's not doing a bad job. <laughs> like you're firing a coach who's winning. Like, yeah. okay. And I, I think you know, in all honesty, I think they're going to run into the same problems next season that they ran into this season with Spolstra as their head coach. He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't know how to. I don't think he knows how to motivate them. I don't think he knows how to you know keep them in line with each other. You know, and I don't think he, LeBron especially, I don't think he could help LeBron manage his ego because, what's his name, Maverick Carter or whatever that, you know, the hell that is 
LeBron James's yes man is there. He's not gonna he's not gonna help him on the basketball court. I'm not court. sure Sigmund Freud could help LeBron <laughs> manage his ego. Well, I'm like on the basketball court, he needs a guy like a Phil Jackson or a Pat Riley. I would there. love to see Larry Brown coach the Miami Heat. Yeah. It would be frigging. I, I awesome. wouldn't because they would win. No, they would definitely would win. But it would be one of those things like, I just wanted to see if it would be possible to tame <laughs> the tiger, to tame the retard of Le- LeBron James. You know? <laughs> to tame the retard. <laughs> so I said tame the tiger at first, give him a little props. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> tame the retard. Because that's what LeBron is. He's basically a retard. It's offensive to retarded people. That's true. I'm sorry. He's a retard. He is a retard, yes. I mean, he is though. I mean, you ever hear this guy speak? He's, he's he sounds like a like a like a like a sounds like me. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give yourself a little more credit there. That's LeBron James. I pass public speaking. When he when LeBron James opens his mouth, nothing but. What's that damn entourage he goes around with it? Just. Well, that's part of his. That's I think. Well, not all. That's part of it. I think that's a big problem of his. Is the people that he hangs around yeah. with and the people that he surrounds oh, himself. When, yeah, with. I mean, like Gilson said, when when he when he says this stuff, he instantly gets back in the limo with his buddies and they tell him how awesome it was. Oh, absolutely! They're like, oh man, that was, that was pretty sweet how you said that. Remember how you said that you hope you know Cleveland retires your jersey? That was pimp. <laughs> that was awesome, man. You know they. I don't know why they're burning your jerseys or anything yeah. like that because you did nothing to you, them. They owe you. You rocked that mic, bro. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to say. You know what, though? We're going to go ahead and take one more quick commercial break. This is The Majors Live on the Majors.net. We'll be right back. Once was a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dinky Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Well, I'm taking Algebra 2 in a foreign language. Oh, so you can talk to unicorns? <laughs> uh, exactly. Unless they're French. Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find the classes he really needed. Getting into college doesn't happen magically. Learn more at knowhowtogo.org. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. My sport is football, but my passion is education. My name is Namdi Asmoa, and this is how I live united. I see too many kids miss out on moving up. Kids who could go on to college, but just need that extra little push. So every year, I take promising high school students on a college tour. We check out the dorms, the library, meet some professors, find out where the best late night grub stops are. It shows them that there's a whole world beyond their own. What's even better is that most of these kids decide college is for them. I'm Namdi Asmoa. I show kids that a higher education means a brighter future. So when it comes to Living United, I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Join me. It takes all of us working together to make a difference. Find out how you can live united for education. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I'm Sarah. I'm Ellen. One night, I was at a bar. One night, I was at a bar. I had one too many drinks. I had one too many drinks. 
I got behind the wheel. I got a cab. A squirrel ran across the road. A squirrel ran across the road. I swerved. The cab swerved. I hit a guy. The cabbie just missed a guy. I wish I took a cab. Thank goodness I took a cab. You have the choice to save a life. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Is it worth the cab? You even hear me? Standing with your spotlight on me. Welcome back, everybody. The Majors Live at themajors.net, 734 259 You can text in at 248-429-7729. Um, getting ready to close out this week's show. Um, we're going to go ahead and get to the 30-second uh, drill. We weren't able to do this last week because we got in that huge, huge uh, discussion about that, that incredibly bad list of uh, the MLB's most overrated players, which... Um, Surprisingly enough, Mo Vaughn made the top was, ten. <laughs> so I forgot that was so awesome. <laughs> Did you get your Mo Vaughn jersey yet? Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I had I had a little bit of Vaughn, but I went and got some Mo Vaughn. <laughs> 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 it should be noticed that Albert Pujols is out for six weeks. <laughs> yes, and, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, that has anything to do with it. That is pretty big sports it news. Is. <laughs> it is. It is big sports news, and that's uh, you know what we talked about it last night around the diamond. Of, you know, oh, cool. teams Don't. that we can, well, not, this teams that we can declare dead from playoff contention. And when you look at the NL Central, you've got uh, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Cincinnati. Cincinnati up there near the top with Pittsburgh only four games. I know back. Pittsburgh's having a really good season. Yeah, and um, and really we just the. the Cubs and uh, the Astros. Man. Both those teams are both dead. dead. We, and again, the Cubs, though. I mean, what? What the hell? I mean, what? I mean, what? I mean, who will win a championship first, the Cubs or the Raptors? Oh man, it's good. It's yeah, good. That's a good one. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with actually the Raptors probably. <laughs> Just because the Cubs. I mean, it, I'll never see it. And Tip said it too. I mean, they had that. They have that. You know that. Mark on the lovable losers, but Tip said it just wasn't funny anymore, which he's absolutely <laughs> right. It's it's not funny anymore. I know you're a big Cubs fan. Chicago will burn when they win. Oh, you know that might be the case. And like, but like Vancouver will. Yeah. <laughs> Vancouver will just riot. Chicago won the World Series. Man, let's, let's burn this mother down. <laughs> it's like they have. They just need a reason. It's like, oh, it's your birthday? Got, you, got your Molotov cocktail? Yeah. <laughs> I got my trunk here, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, anyways, though, yeah. It's, it's, it's flag it's, day. <laughs> Chicago, though, obviously, you know, like we said, we declared them dead. But, I mean, as far as pool holes and, what he, and how he, you know, works into this whole NL Central race here, you know, obviously that's going to be a huge, huge... Uh, you know, blow to St. Louis and, you know, their race. Because it is very, very, very close, and it is between these three teams right now. Um, the Brewers know. were ever waiting for their opportunity to take advantage of uh, yes. making the playoffs. This is the time. This is their opportunity yep. right now. And if they're going to do anything, they need to, like you said, do it now, with Albert Pujols yep. being out. Because I'm not sold on Milwaukee doing much of anything. Oh, I'm I mean, not either, but here it is, guys. Yeah. You don't have another chance better than this, so. Your big chance, you're the team that they're going to be contending with towards the end is going to be Cincinnati. So, oh, totally. But this is Milwaukee's chance right now. Um, other than that, though, we're going to go ahead and get to our 30-second drill. Um, first up is uh, there's a lot of progress being made right now in the NFL as far as uh, 
being able to uh, negotiate a new CBA. Um, the rumor, I mean, they did have a big meeting right now, or they're having a big meeting right now, um, over a new NFL collective bargaining agreement. It seems, you know, we keep on getting conflicting reports on their clothes. They're arguing. Do you think that we'll see a collective bargaining agreement agreed upon in the NFL? Um, we'll say this week. Not this week. Oh, hold on. Let me get oh, the, get, uh, since you're new, it's, it's okay. We got to. I gotta get. We gotta explain how it works. Well, no, we don't. <laughs> you got thirty seconds, and at the end of it, a bell goes off. It's like it's a drill. A, it's an, it's an alarm, like oh, a list, whatever. not a bell. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, you, you ready? not yet. I got. I gotta get everything up. Three, two, one. Okay, <laughs> Eric. Since since you're the guest this week, go ahead. Take it away. Not this week, just because there's probably still there's still like fine tuning still has to go with it, and I'll just. I don't see it getting done this week just because it, it's just now getting the reports of it's getting close, it's not getting close, they're arguing. But since they are getting close, they're having a, like basically an overnight meeting with all 32 owners. I just can't see it getting done this week, but next week I think it will be agreed upon. All right. Nicholas? Uh Definitely this week because of I think they just they took Ray Lewis's criminal comments to heart and they were like shit he's <laughs> right we got to get this shit together because when Ray Lewis talks man that is gospel the world listens oh the world listens that dude talks and everyone just stops what they're doing so yeah well, this this because you might get shot this by him <laughs> uh, yeah this could be over this this could already be over with. Go ahead, squirrel. <laughs> no, it, it will not be over this week. It probably could be over this week. It probably should be over this week with the developments that have happened. But it won't be just because the truth is everyone involved in this is just enjoying it way too much. So they're going to prolong it a little longer. It'll be done soon, but not not within the week. This reminds me of the O.J. Simpson when the civil trial came back and like mm-hmm. all the news places were like, All right, we got another O.J. trial. Yes. That's how the places are acting. They're just like, Please, please, can you please bring the NFL back? Oh, God, I know it's not starting for another two months, but please bring football back. And, that, and then they realize that, like, the second round of it's really not that cool. It's not. Like, no. with OJ, it's like, yeah, where's Marsha Clark and Chris Darden? It's like, you guys, it's they're different like, they're, attorneys, they're, you they're assholes. They're, this, they're, they're, they're talking crim- about Judge Ito isn't going to be the judge <laughs> of this trial? criminal <laughs> lawyers. They're, they're not going to be there. What do you mean they're criminal? They're it's still NFL free agency, training camps, mini camps, <laughs> other camps I don't know the name of. Yeah. And Peyton Manning's camp that he has for everyone in the league. No, he does it with little kids for United Way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Adam? What's your opinion on this subject? Not next week. I'm going to say next month. Oh. Next month. Middle next month. Middle next month. Middle next month. What do we have next here? Um, we kind of talked about this before. Do the Miami Heat need Pat Riley to come back? And I'm going to say, do they need him to come back to be successful? Go ahead, Squirrel. No, I don't think that. I, I think they'd probably be better off with him. But do they need him to come back to be successful? No, I don't think they do. I actually think Pat Riley's right. And I mean, you're talking about a team that just went to the NBA Finals, and there's no reason to believe that they couldn't, with no changes, go to the NBA Finals next year or win the NBA Finals next year. They'd probably be better with Pat Riley or with a different coach, but... They could do it, and they very well might. Right. 
Uh, no, I don't think they need Pat Riley. I mean, Pat Riley, don't get me wrong. Pat Riley's a great coach. I mean, he's won what championships with the Lakers and with uh, Miami. But, I mean, he was with the Knicks in the 90s, and they went to a finals, but they didn't win. And it wasn't, you know. So, I mean, it's not like – I don't think they need him. It's not a guarantee that they're going to win championship because Pat Riley is coaching their team. So, I mean, they need a little bit of help, but they don't need that much help. They rolled through the East this year, and that wasn't because of Pat Riley. So, Go ahead, Eric. Is successful ju- winning the NBA championship? For them, yeah. Yeah, I, I say they would need him to come back. Just because they, just with the huge egos on that team, all blended into one. And with, it was hard enough just controlling LeBron's ego in Cleveland. And when you have two others that are huge as stars, and you need a coach that can control the team and... Eric Spolstro is not that coach. I, I I don't think that they necessarily need Pat Riley. I just think they yeah. need a coach similar to Pat Riley. They need a like a coach who can ha- handle his team. They need a manager. That's what they need. Um, next up, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it or not. This happened a couple weeks ago. Bryce Harper, um, when he hit a home run, um, obviously he's the the other big time prospect for the Washington Nationals. Um, he's playing for their farm team right now. Um, when he hit a home run a couple weeks ago, he pulled a Ken Griffey Jr., watched it go out. When he was rounding the bases, he's rounding third. He blew a kiss at the uh, the opposing team's pitcher. Um, is this over the top? Go ahead, Nicholas. No. I. Of course, reading the article, they make it seem like he like went up to him and then like made out with him or something like that. The article was so terribly written, uh, just uh, you know, delivering the facts terribly written. It was a fun article to read because it was stupid. But watching the video, no, he what he did, it was like I mean, was it kind of a dick move? Yeah, it's like, but it's sports. Uh, so no, I don't think it was over the top. Man, you're what nineteen, twenty year old kid. I thought it was funny. I mean, it's a total dick move, but it's one of those dick moves that is acceptable. Go ahead, Squirm. Um, yeah, you know, I thought it was a little crappy that he did it. Um, I, you know, I think he came across as kind of a dick. Was it over the top? The article in the pub, you know, the the pub that this got, that was over the top because it really wasn't a big deal. It's something that happens. Things like this happen more than you than you think, and they just don't, get, you know, don't get talked about as often. A little shitty, a little arrogant, a little cocky. Little over the top, eh? Perhaps. That's it, though. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, I mean, uh, if I think it was over the top, I mean, it was just it was just a home run. I mean, it wasn't like he hit a walk off grand slam winning the game. That'd been awesome if he did. Yeah, if, I mean, to watch it go out, sure, that's that's expected. But to blow, uh, was rounding third, blowing a kiss to the pitcher. I mean, it's it's not. It's pretty dis. It's, I haven't seen. The, I haven't seen the video, but judging what you guys just said, I, I think it's over the top. Well, I would like to see him do this playing the Chicago White Sox in in the majors. I think. I think. I want to see what Ozzie Gee and what he would instruct his pitcher to do after that. Um, not to mention, dude, this kid's 18 years old. I mean, yeah, he is 18, but then again, he is 18. Uh, you gotta you gotta do something first. 
before you uh you know before you can start pulling stuff like that and he's actually he's still lucky that he didn't get that he didn't start a brawl in that game because judging from by the way that the team reacted um the opposing team i'm surprised the reason I mean, the reason I don't think it's that over the top is because it was in the minors. Yeah. If he did it in MLB, I would say, yeah, it's ridiculous. But you could say it's a, a Bush League move. Well, guess what? He's fucking playing in Bush League. So, <laughs> I mean, to me, it's like it's the minors. He's 18 years old. Man, that's what you're teenagers. You act like dicks. That's what you do. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, mainly, I could see myself doing something like this, so I just have no problem with it. <laughs> Last question of the night. Um, baseball trade deadline's coming on. It's still about a month away, um, but the trade talk has really started to heat up, especially with the uh, with the New York Mets. They're talking about getting rid of Carlos Beltran and getting rid of Jose Reyes, and it seems like the return on Jose Reyes is going to be um, a good number of prospects for any team that is interested in acquiring Jose Reyes, basically for the rest of the season. Um, Jose Reyes is a, is a free agent after this year, so, you know, you're – I'm hearing Carl Crawford type money in order to re-sign him for uh, to a contract. So, with that said, though, do you give up a bunch of different prospects to acquire essentially a rent-a-player? Um, look, let's go ahead and take this one. It's I, for me. It's a hindsight question. If giving up these prospects brings you a championship the year that you bring the rent-a-player in, it is worth it. If it's uh, you know. Not that I compare it completely to, but if it's a if it's a renteria type thing where it's just a total bust, then obviously not. So for me, it's just a hindsight question. You you don't know if it's worth it or not. Go ahead, Eric. I don't think it's worth it. I just can't see risking like the team's future on a rental player. Just giving up like your top prospects. I couldn't do it. Go ahead, Squirrel. Uh, you know, I mean, the way this is worded, it sounds so bad, uh, and you don't want to do it. But just, you know what? If it helps you make a playoff run, if it helps you win a World Series, yeah, do it. Sure. You know, I mean, yeah, you don't want to give up your top prospects. You don't want to lose the future, but it's all about winning, right? I mean, if if you if you go in there, bring in some uh, old veteran, and win yourself a championship, of course it's worth it. Just remember, no rings, no wings. Well, And the thing about prospects is they're just prospects. You have no idea sure. if they're actually going to turn out. Sure. I think of the Tigers situation because I'm, I, you know, like I said, I'm basing this a lot of what the Tigers are doing. I wouldn't like the Tigers doing it considering they don't have a lot of prospects in their farm system. Um, so I... I they, they have, like, the best pitching prospects in the league. They have, like, no... They have Andy Oliver and Jacob Turner. And that's and Charlie Furbush. That's about it. It's pretty damn good. Other yeah. than other than that, they don't really have anybody as far as prospects go. They don't have. I you mean, watch Mudhens baseball. They, I mean, they don't. They don't. I mean, yes. They, you judge that based off who they've been able to call up and who they've been able to replace some of these players with when they've gone down with injury. I mean, they're still bringing up guys like Will Rhymes, or they've tried him out in the beginning of the season. He hasn't done anything. I mean, it seems to me if they had anybody else that was sustainable, then they would bring them up ahead of a guy like Will Rhymes, uh, or even Scott Sizemore for that matter. But I mean. Is this Scott Sizemore gone? Are, I mean, are you kind of saying that, like, you know, other than Furbush, everyone else is kind of dried up? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I really don't. I really don't like, you know, giving up a bunch of prospects for a rent a player. I mean, 
I, again, I'd much rather have that player in return be signed for at least another year after that. But another thing that really disappoints me, too, is when fans are afraid to make trades because of getting burnt in the past. Um, and again, with the Tigers, you always see it with a lot of the older fans saying, oh, well, look what happened when we traded uh, John Smoltz for Doyle Alexander. Come on. I mean, Doyle Alexander was very, very good for the Tigers that season and helped them get to the playoffs. And, yes, that's the risk you take. And that's really the thing that you you look to do in baseball. You look to get a player that helps you get to the playoffs. There's, you know, there's a lot of busts out there that happen. Sure, you know, you, you think this one guy's going to come in and help you out. But, you know what, there's a lot of busts out there that people think are great prospects. Oh, yeah. That the, end up being uh, nothing, and too. The Tigers, and the Tigers themselves have seen both ends of the argument there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've seen. They've, Mabin. They, well, yeah, they've been burned. They've been burned with Doyle Alexander and trading Jared Jurgens for um, Edgar Renteria. But they've also come around the winning end of things by, uh, you know, in the whole Cameron Mabin and Andrew Miller for uh, Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis. And, you know, Dontrell Willis aside, I mean, he didn't pan out, but they got Miguel Cabrera, which mm -hmm. is – and those weren't the only two players of the Tigers trade. I think they traded, traded uh, in Julio Rodriguez or something like that, um, Mike Rabello and a bunch of other guys too that um, I believe – I actually looked at that trade – to see actually where some of these players are. Cameron Mabin is trying to stick it out in San Diego right now. Andrew Miller is, I think, about ready to make a debut for the Boston Red Sox after, you know, being traded by the Marlins to them. Um, Isn't Didn't he join the NBA draft, too, as one of these... Uh you know, white big men that we were talking about <laughs> he earlier. Might have. He, he probably do just as well there. As <laughs> He's he did joining with up with Terrell Pryor in the CFL. How about Urbania for Polanco? <laughs> oh, uh, the yeah, yeah, that was another steal too. Considering, ridiculous. Considering trip. Polanco didn't go and chop people's heads off. Yep. Uh, I don't even. What did he pitch like a couple months? And that was yeah. It? He wasn't there for that long. It was awesome. Anyways, though, that's going to do it, though, for this week for uh, the Majors Live. Um, stay tuned for extra innings coming up next where uh, uh, Squirrel and Linkless will talk a little bit about Luke Fickle, the new Ohio State head coach, and whether or not he's going to have any success with the Ohio State University. Um, make sure you catch us again next week, next Tuesday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Majors.net. Make sure you catch Grouty tomorrow night. Um, again, it's a new night still. Mm -hmm. um, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Grouty.com, the Majors.net. And um, other than that, thank you for it, uh, Eric Gilson of Inside the Huddle for joining us, being our special guest this week. Um, tip at home, Lickless Squirrel, I am Adam saying have a good week, everybody. We will see you next time.